Visit Arcade Club in Bury, Greater Manchester, the largest gaming venue in Europe. Set on two floors featuring over 250 original arcade machines, from Space Invaders right up to the latest Japanese rhythm games. There's also pinball machines, retro modern consoles, top-end PCs and VR stations. For just £10 entry or £15 for both floors, you can stay as long as you like and everything is set to free play. It's open Thursdays to Sundays with free parking, two licensed bars, two kitchens and fair price. And there's no need to book, just turn up for an awesome day out. Hello and welcome to the Teen Punts Archive podcast. In this podcast we play vintage recordings of teenagers being pushed down hills. Or... We could just talk about old arcade games. You get that bit, teen punts archive yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, your pun, the pun master, the pun slinger, pun runner. Anyway, I am Victor Marland, aka Vertvic, and you are. And I'm not. You are definitely not me. I am Sean in your face, Holly. Yeehaw. Yep. And just let me just dunk a biscuit while you talk. Tell tell people about what this podcast's about. This podcast is about vintage arcade games from 1978 right up to the modern day. Yeah. Because we do talk about modern ones sometimes, don't we? Like you beating that. I'm just having a digestive dark chocolate on. Very nice. Mm. And you had a bourbon there, didn't you? I had a bourbon earlier. I heard you don't dunk. No, I don't like dunking biscuits. It just ruins the flavour. No, it makes them all wet and nice. Nah, I don't like it, don't like it. Anyway, tell me some stuff you've been up to in the arcade world. Oh, this is excellent. We had a meet at Arcade Club, the Williams Defenders Players Unite Facebook group. It's a good snappy title. I know, which I've joined. I'm not really mag- mega into Defender, but it's a great group. Mm-hmm. And the Arcade Club has set up a corner of floor two with four Defender cabs, three Robotrons and a Stargate. About 30 people from the group attended, including... Robotron twin Galaxy's world record holder David Gomez and his family. Very nice to meet David. I talked to him about his achievement and how he stayed focused and in the zone for 44 hours. What? 40, 44 hours on Robotron. How fast is Robotron? Unbelievable. Anyway, a, a surprise guest to everyone was the Defender creator Eugene Jarvis and his wife Sasha. They just turned up, just walked into our cave. From I'm Chicago? Paid- yeah. Wow. to get in and went upstairs and everyone was like what he was getting a lot of attention and he was being filmed by somebody but i did manage to speak to him about his job at raw thrills his current job mm-hmm. i didn't really interview him i just sort of had, had an informal chat he was being bombarded well, i bet him. he was yeah he told me about the development of space invaders frenzy and i said oh it's, it's a nice game it's really tough and he said that they started off with a joystick you know this the big massive it's like oh, it's it, sort of um, a double-handed gun, isn't it? And you fire it at the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they was developing it, he had just a joystick, and he said it wasn't working right. And they were developing it next to a finished cab, which was Jurassic Park. Yes. I don't know if you've seen that one. I have, yeah. And he says, why don't we take the gun off Jurassic Park, you know, that big sort of mounted machine gun, and put it on Space Invaders? Oh, right. So that's what they did. Fair so that's enough. So that's how we got the idea. Well, he's quite good with controls, old uh, Eugene, because mm. when he was developing Defender, no, sorry, Robotron, he, I think he nailed a board to the arcade cab he was working on with two Atari joysticks on it. 
you just nailed it on there, and then this will do. And it's just that's <laughs> how he worked out the two joysticks. Quite yeah, he, he told me about Walking Dead game, and he's how, how pleased he is with the new game, Cruising Blast. And he also told me about the next Raw Thrills game in oh, development, yeah. but I can't tell you. You can tell me off air. I can do. It's a big IP, and it's not from the arcade world. It's from the computer world. Okay, sounds interesting. Mm. Ooh. I like the picture you, that somebody took. That's got all you guys there. I can see Russ J there. I can see I'm Jimmy. I can see you. And right at the very back, just poking his head in the doorway sort of thing, is a rather well-known Eugene Jarvis. You think yeah. he'd be front and centre of the picture? Did he just sneak into the picture and sort of bomb, bomb your picture? It does look like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. There was loads of photos taken. So I don't know who's taking them all. He's a sneaky one. But what what Eugene said, he said when he was making Robotron and Defender, he was allowed to humiliate the players, he said, with a difficulty. But now he can't. It's a different yeah. market. So they have to sort of make games dif- differently. Mm. How nice of it is it just turned up? They must be on the Facebook group himself and just thought, oh, I know, I'll surprise them and come like 4,000 miles just to turn up. Yeah, his wife. Brilliant. I think his wife or his partner is Sasha. She's on it. She did a lot of photos. Oh, okay. So you can't actually talk to him directly on Facebook, but he does. He posted a yeah. thank you message on the group. So, oh, that's brilliant. lovely. It's really nice. And I played. Oh, that's actually a guy called Jim Bowley made a reverse Defender cab in like a an LCD cab, but it's really well done. And it's called Refender, right? Right. <laughs> and the okay. control panels, control panels round the wrong way. So the joystick's on the right. Oh yeah. Okay. And all the buttons are on the left, and it's really hard to get the hang of. Well, if, I suppose if you're left-handed, it probably comes naturally, doesn't it? I don't know. Well, and, not and really, because if you're left-handed or right-handed, you just go with what the controls are at the arcade, and you get used to it, don't you? Yeah. I've seen some people cross their arms over, so they, if the joystick's on the left and the buttons are on the right, they, they hold the joystick with the right hand, they cross their left arm over and press the buttons with their left hand. I've seen that quite often, but it's usually with a one- or two-button game, nothing yeah. too complicated. With Defender, that'd be bizarre, I think. It was a fantastic-looking little main cab, and it had a, a detachable control panel, right. and he put Missile Command control panel on. Oh, I like Tony, it when people do that. Tony Temple playing it said it's really good. Nice. Have you got pictures of that? Uh, no, no, I don't, uh, maybe. Let's have to have a look. If you have, we'll pop them on the website for people to look at. I'm quite interested in seeing that. And he thrashed me on Robot Ron, did Tony. I'm not very good at Robot Ron. I'm not very good at Robot Ron either. I do like it. It's nice. It's quite nice. It's a very good game. We, have to, have we, we haven't covered it yet, have we, Robotron? No, it'd be difficult, wouldn't it, in MAME or Well, we, us two, we can play it because we've got cabs with two controllers on, haven't we? Yes, we have. So we, are, we won't have a good chance of winning if we, with any people that can play it. <laughs> yeah. People can yeah. play it at Arcade Club and all that sort of thing. I'm sure people have got their own cabs somewhere. We'll think mm. about it. But it's what, a game we do need to cover because it is a great game. A lot, a lot of fun, that game. I have been doing a few things arcadey recently. The first yes. one is, uh, ooh, probably last week, maybe in the week, just before, just after we finished recording the last one, I was listening to the RGDS podcast of Arcade Memories with Garen and Kingy. I've just listened to that. It's brilliant. It's really, really good, yeah. I was lucky to grow up in Weymouth as a kid uh, from 1985, and we had 10 arcades. And I think there was actually a few more, but I can't remember them. So if anyone's from Weymouth listening, and they can remember the extra ones I've forgotten, please write in. Uh, these were, there was JR's place near the chip shop, Noah's Ark, which is actually, it's still there, but it's now, I think, a Gurkha restaurant. It was actually like a ship, like a Noah's Ark type of thing in the water, but it was yeah. actually built into the floor. It wasn't actually a boat, it was just a building that looked like a, 
uh, thing. It's called Noah's Ark. There's loads of games in there. There was three in a row on the seafront. There was three together, and they're still there nowadays, but got obviously modern games in. Uh, Alexandria Palace, which is the big sort of um, the big pavilion there in Weymouth. Uh, there was a fair, an old fair behind B and Q. In an industrial state at Weymouth, and that yeah. was really had some really dodgy rides, and you never went on the rides there. But I remember playing Green Beret there a lot because it was the only place I could play Green Beret. Uh, the Pier Bandstand, the other end of Weymouth, and if you go out of Weymouth past the Pier Bandstand, there's a place called Bowley's Cove, which is a really nice little sort of seaside cove place, and there was an arcade there as well. I think that was the one that had the Outrun, the Turbo Outrun Deluxe there, the white one. I'm sure it was there, but I'm not sure. Right. I've also. I injured my arm the other week as well with a jet fighter. Oh my god. With a jet fighter. In the good. I was taking the cab. It's only a mini it's only a cabaret cab. It's quite heavy. It's an Atari one. I was taken out of the the garage on or oh, sorry, out of the shed in the garden on the Friday because I was going to see Phil Murray last Saturday and take it with me because he's having it back. And I was taken out. It's quite squidgy on the on the grass and I had the sort of the the the, the trucks on the grass. And as it was coming out, I was put, put, turning it round. It dug into the ground, and it sort of went over to the side. And the cab actually went over. It was going to hit the ground. I grabbed it with one arm, mm. and I managed to save it. But it did hurt my flipping arm. I didn't realise until the next day. My, my muscles in my arm were quite sore. And my bicep was sore. I'm okay now. But at the moment, at the time, I thought, oh, God, I've done some tendon damage or something stupid. It was difficult gripping stuff. But I'm okay now. Good. Another arcade game saved. Arcade arm. I've never dropped a cab. I've had an asteroid's full size nearly go over on top of me once. That was really scary. And this one here nearly went over. But yeah, I'm lucky that. I so have. I've, I've dropped a cab. <laughs> oops. Yeah, when we were moving, I think I think we were moving the cabs from the very first arcade club to the second one that was in Haslingdon. I dropped a cab in the street. I fell over a curb. What cab was it? It was a silver line thing, but... No, I don't matter. It's only a jammer cab. Yeah, when you opened it up, there was no PCB or anything in it. It was just a shell with a monitor. So I, oh, right. think, it, I think it was all right. We'll let you off with that one. Yeah. When I saw Phil on Saturday, I took my Super Cobra PCB with me, which is ripe for a, one of his software hardware mods with the Scramble hardware mod. It plays four games at the moment, and he fitted it all in for me. It is so good. It is so good. It plays mm-hmm. Turtles, which I really like. It plays Super Cobra, Stern Scramble at the moment, the harder version, and Amidar. And Phil's going to add games to it. I think you can add up to 31 games in total if there's that many Scramble hardware games to go on there. He just needs to wow. work out the software and little bits and bobs for it. But I, I can actually burn the the program ROMs myself because it's, a, a, it's an, e, an EEPROM. E! E! An EEPROM. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, I actually found a little bug in the code. When I was playing yeah. Turtles, I got to level three, which is the same as level four, the, the layout, and some of the graphics at the top, you know the little question mark boxes which the Turtles or the, the, the Beatles come out of? Yeah. Some of the graphics were like split in two and shifted over a little bit, and I took a picture of it and told Phil, and he said, oh yeah, I know what that is, and it took him about half an hour to fix, and he sent me the, the code back again, and the next day I burnt it, and it's absolutely perfect. But the next day, when I was testing it to make sure it was okay, make sure no other levels were knackered as well... I actually looped the game. Yes, well done. Got 22,510 points. I was really pleased with that. I just looped it and thought, wow, this is brilliant. Because 
I think I lost all my lives apart from one by level four. I was just playing it to test it, and I went and did the game. And I did level one again as well, and I got killed on level two. Does it get harder? No, it doesn't. Just the same. I, I don't think it does, but I was at the level sort of where I was just kept going anyway, so I was sort of used to the, the speed of it. Because I think mm-hmm. on Turtles, halfway through, because there's only seven levels, and you go to the roof, which is the last bit, I think halfway through, or level five maybe, instead of starting with three Beatles chases, you start with four, and there's one extra right. hidden. Normally there's three, and there's two extra hidden, so you can have up to five maximum chasing you. But I think you start on four rather than three. Right. So yeah, I was really pleased with that because I've actually seen the ending before because I've actually played the proper PCB that I've got, the original PCB with the I think there's a dip switch to put 255 lives on, and I had it right. on once because I had it back from a repair, and the person who repaired it, it it put it on 255 lives. So I was just playing it through, and I thought I've lost quite a few lives. What's going on? And I realised there was like 200 and something left. So <laughs> I have seen the thing before, but I was really pleased to do it because I've been one kid turtle away from doing it twice. So one last turtle would have done it, and mm-hmm. I just managed to do it now. So it, now it's just going to be high scores. But the good thing about that PCB that Phil's made, it's got high score saving for all the games. So that's, that score is saved forever. Lovely. Really that, that must have that. beat my score then. What did I get? I think you got about 17. Um, Fact-checking robot voice here. Sean got 17,790 when they did Turtles for the podcast. I was right. very close before, and I think I'd, I'd just about beaten yours one time before, after we'd done it on the, the podcast, and this time I thrashed you. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, I was really nice. pleased I did it. I was really pleased, because I wanted to do it for ages, and it is one of my favourite games. It is good. It is so good. good. What Phil's also going to do, because some of the games on there are eight-way, like Scramble and Super Cobra, and some are four-way, like Turtles and Amidar, he's going to put code actually in it to send out a plus five volt pulse when you choose a certain game. So what it'll do, when you connect it to your servo stick, which I've got on that machine, it'll mm-hmm. it will swap it over from four to eight way when you choose the game automatically. Excellent. It's going to be brilliant. I can't wait. So I've left my servo stick unconnected at the moment, but I will do it when Phil does the code for it when he gets time. So what is one of them? Is it like... Is- is it like a gate that moves under the stick? Yes, it's exactly that. It's a, it's got a gate with like a, a little arm on the end of it with a slot in it, and there's right. a, like a little, a little pivot point that goes in it that's attached to a little motor. So when it hits five volts, the motor just comes on for a second, and it, it sort of, it turns around like ninety degrees, and it pushes the arm, which swivels around the four to eight way, and when it gets oh, to the end brilliant. point, it just stops, and it obviously goes the other way to put it back again. Well, really that's neat clever, that. things. They're really nice. I like those. Another thing I did, I went down to Southend to see Ali, the retro hunter. Yeah. Because I've been promising Ali. I know Ali quite well. I see him at the, the London Video Game Markets, and we've seen him at Revival a few times. We hung out together. And I've always wanted to go and see his shop, because he's got a really, really nice shop there. Because he, he sort of gave up the his day job to do a shop full-time, because he was just sort of getting things from boot sales and selling stuff online, and he's got a real good eBay presence, and everyone knows him for doing really good deals on, on retro stuff. And he, yeah. he got a shop, and it's a really cool little shop. It's got loads of memorabilia stuff in it. Uh, he's got a couple of cabs in there, not for sale, just for playing. He's got loads of console stuff for sale, games, toys, collectibles, loads of gear. It's a really cool little shop. So if you're ever in South End, go down and see him. I've been wanting to come and see his shop for a long time, and he wanted a bit of help with his uh, arcade cabs because he had a few problems with them. He had uh, two of them, and we'll get onto that in the tech tips. I'll tell you what I did to them. 
Uh, but his shop's tips. really, really nice. Yeah, tech tips on arcade cabs in South End in a shop. He's even got uh, board games in there. He's got, I think he's got the Frogger, the Pac-Man, you know, the, the arcade board games. Oh yeah, some really cool stuff in there, and a really, really creepy Kevin doll. Who's from, Kevin? You know, Kevin from Home Alone. It sits on his counter and it just scares children away. It's really creepy. Don't like it. <laughs> yeah, so I helped him out. It was a really nice day as well. A couple of people came down, which was good to see. Come to see me. Wife had a nice time there as well. Bit of a day out, and this was just before the snow came, so we we're lucky we got there like a week before. Mm. But um, we'll get on to more about what I did there and on tech tips. So, anything right. else you've been doing? Yeah, guess what? What? I've, ri- I've written here one word, gyros, right? Is that gyros, which is the American word for kebabs? I don't know. It's, we went to, me and Waf went to this market somewhere a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and there was this Greek stall selling gyros, gyros, gyros. Yeah. And wife said, isn't that a game you play? And I gyrus. teared up. Gyrus. I teared up, Vic. I teared up. She's actually, she actually noticed. She wow. noticed my gameplay and addiction. I was in floods of tears. It was a beautiful moment. Well, a gyro, I thought, was a kebab. In America, like a, they call them it's a, it's a, It was a Greek foodie thing yeah. made of, hang on, I've got the wiki page here, traditionally pork or chicken. Oh, okay. Mm. Ooh, sounds good. Did you have one? No. Did you not have a gyrus? No, I was ill at the A time. Greek gyrus. I've lost quite a bit of weight from being ill. Have you? Mm. Well done Since I've... played Blackpool, I've been ill. I'm just getting better now. Mm. Anyway, oh. guess what else I've been doing, Vic? Guess. Tell me. You don't have to, you don't have to guess. It's on here. I've been doing some research for Maximum Power Up Shoot 'em Up podcast, I'm what? guessing on next week. What? Next week. In fact, by the time this is out, actually, no, I'm recording on the Wednesday. This is out on the Tuesday. So I've been putting Mega Drive and SNES, uh, NES games on my RetroPie. PS2 games on my laptop and I've been playing MAME for all these games that we're going to discuss. Our top, there's three of us, our top five favourite shmups, but I'm not going to pick my top five because they change like hourly, so I'm just yeah. picking a recent five that I've played and I like. Do you know what you are? Uh, no. Interloper. What's that mean? Someone who does other things for other people. Alright. I might have to sack you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Shall we get on to a bit of arcade news? Because there's a bit. There's not actually not a lot of arcade news. There's a bit. Yeah. Arcade news. Right, I forgot to mention last week, or the last show we did two weeks ago, that our very own Alex Chucky Egg, Alex Crowley, Nintendo Arcade, as known to others, beat his personal best and is the unofficial word world record holder of Nintendo Space Launcher. He rolled the score to 115,000. Give him a ping. Do you notice I gave him a normal ping then? Yeah, well, The story I... goes on. Oh. His old score was 95,000, which you and I actually saw him do at replay, uh, Revival a few years ago. Yeah. And I need to get back into it as well, because I myself have recorded on video a score of 89,000. I actually recorded it. Unfortunately, Alex had never videoed his, his games before, but it was like an unofficial 115,000. But I told him, you must record it next time you play and send it off to Twin Galaxy. You'll get the record, because you can beat it quite easily now. I don't think there's a record for it, because not many people have got the game. Mm. So, the update now is he got 107,000 on record, on video. So let's give him a... 
resonant ping. ping for world record. Nice. At this particular time, I'm not sure if he sent it off yet, but he used to send it to Twin Galaxies, and I think it. I did ask Pete Han if he could enter it to Orcade. And what it is, is you can't actually enter it to Orcade unless you do it at an Orcade venue. Right. Um, but what he can do, he says, is if you send it to Twin Galaxies and Twin Galaxies accept it, which they should, they can actually link to Twin Galaxies saying he has got the record there, but it won't be on the Orcade, but it will be linked to his score. So well done, Alex. Brilliant score. Excellent. Well I need done, to mate. go and beat him now. <laughs> <laughs> I can get close. I get 89,000. It's my best ever. But I haven't played it for a while. I really want to get into it again and do the record as well. I it like is, it, but... It's a tough I, game. I, tough game. Yeah, I do, prev- do prefer Lunar Rescue. Similar game. Around. I, am I do prefer around. that. Both good games, though. Both brilliant games. Anyway, here's some good news. You can finally play a long-lost Donkey Kong game. It's a, it's a version of, well, kind of, a remix of Donkey Kong 3. I saw this. Yeah. So this is a sharp... X1 computer game. Sort of a follow-up to Donkey Kong 3. It looks very similar to Donkey Kong. You've got Donkey Kong in the middle firing stuff down at you, and you've got Stanley, the little guy at the bottom with his, his bug blaster. Yeah. It's got to be a similar game. It's now available to play on an X1 emulator. I've never even heard of the Sharp X1 before. I haven't. Must be an old PC thing, mustn't it? It was made by the ace Japanese developer Hudson Soft, who did a lot for the PC Engine and the NES. Oh, Zaps Arcade Cafe Bar is planning on opening sometime this year in Bournemouth, Ooh. which is down south. This is a venture by someone called Monkey Cop and McBear. <laughs> they have sourced Monkey 20... Cop. That's monkey a great cop. name. Well, he's a cop Mon- and a monkey. Yeah, I'm going to arrest you and then eat bananas. And I don't know if his his mate is MC Bear on the Wheels of Steel or a Scottish Bear. McBear. I'm a McBear, <laughs> you know. So they've sourced 25 arcade cabs, plus a few spares. They'll be swapping in and out every few weeks, or when the cabs break down, obviously. They'll be running the games on tokens, which you can purchase at the venue. There'll be hot drinks in the day, and craft beers in the evening and afternoons. Of course, they'll be serving snacks. Hopefully there won't be any snacksidents there. Snacks, I like what you did there. These guys are taking a bit of a leap by giving up their day jobs for this, so get along to their website at www.zapsco.com and check them out. They don't have an opening date just yet as they're waiting for some red tape to be cut with licensing and planning. But the guys are in contact with Tenpence, us, and we will keep you updated. One last thing. They're leaving one cab slot open at the moment and are planning on using Twitter as a voting system on what one of their leftover games they're going to put in there. So all the social media are as links on our website. Nice. Good luck, guys. Good luck with that. I'm going to go. It's not that far from me. I'm going to go when they open. Good. I had some holidays in Bournemouth when I was younger. I enjoyed it. Mm. Arcade pickups. I've got the best thing. I swapped it for a jet fighter cab, which nearly killed me. I've got a Milstar PCB, multi PCB. This basically plays Cubert, Mad Planets, Weird Ass Crawl, Difficult Cubert's Cubes, etc. It's mm-hmm. got a bunch of games on it, some unknown ones as well, but the main one I wanted to play, Cubert. I nice. cannot stop playing Cubert. When I should have been playing Alan Barber this week, I've been playing Cubert. Sorry. <laughs> actually not sorry Cubert's are brilliant it's so good oh guess what I'm going to do to it I'm going to fit a knocker to it really the PCB has got a little co- a connection for the knocker and you connect it to sorry it's got it's got an output for the knocker and what you do is you connect it to two points on the jammer connector which are unused to the knocker to 12 volts 
and when Coily falls off and you die, it knocks the side of the cab. Oh, no, like a little works. metal plate in it, so it makes a really loud clack when you fall off. Ooh. Can't wait to do that. I love a bit of Qbert, me. Also, the multi scramble hardware kit. Turtles is still awesome. Yes, I, I need to get back into that. The whole game system is brilliant. There's so many games Phil's going to be working on. I don't know which one he's working on next. I'm not going to say anything just yet, but it's really good. It's a really good game. He also nice. fixed Mr. Do for me, which he gave me back, which I'm going to try and get into. We need to do Mr. Do one day. Ooh, it's hard. It's a hard game, but I think you can get sort of into it and get good at it, I think. There's a lot of point press. Well, not point pressing, it's strategies. To it is it, strategies, it? yeah. It's yeah. almost like a memory thing as well, isn't it? Mm. Ali gave me an Intellivision speech module, so I can make noises like this. Mattel Electronics presents 317 Nice. Oh, and the reverse pickup, Jet Fighter. It's gone. Gone back to Phil. Good home. Also, a Tetris bootleg board I had lying around. I gave it to Ali, put in his jammer cap. And do you know what? I put the ca- I put the game in and turned the volume up. And I said to Ali, don't look. What game is this? And he was listening to the music. He said, I don't know. I was like, you're going to have your retro card revoked, young man. It was Tetris. Because <laughs> he's only used to the Game Boy version. Oh, I love the Game Boy tunes. Sorry, Vic. Have you any pickups? I've got nothing whatsoever. I've picked up some lovely experience at Arcade Club, meeting Eugene Jarvis and David Gomez and all the people on the group. That's that's good, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Fix dunking and drinking. Bit of dead air there, but a bit slurping and crunching. Listener feedback. So, Rob Llewellyn. Vixer, exclamation mark. Six hours on this plane so far, and Shantae is killing me. Bloody desert tower. You did this to me. Podcast got me through, though. Sean Holly is allergic to horizontal shimutamups, perhaps. This is when you uh, failed R-Type. <laughs> Rob that. is going to uh, Australia. That's why he's on a plane. All right. Tagster, great to have you back. Enjoyed the episode, although I've disremembered the bit where Vic got a higher score. Look, a million point cow bonus. On 1942, he's put some cow emojis as well on the Twitter. Oh, what? Oh, no, cows. Tin Bob. Have a pretty large queue of important, informative, educational, and potentially life-changing podcasts lined up in my player. Which one shall I listen to first? Ten Pence Arcade, of course. Thank you, chaps, for continuing this greatness. You know what Bob is? Bob? Brother, brother of bronze. Brother of bronze. That's what I put, I, it's me and my acronyms. I love acronyms. You me. love an acronym, you. Troll nads. It's always a close run thing for me between Tenpence Arcade and Video Game Outsiders, but Tenpence usually wins. He puts us on first. Yes. Ooh. Mike James of the Retro Gaming Roundup. Hi, Sean. Heard you mention Outrun in the last show, and we discussed it recently. Installed top ten. Scott mentioned that the dancing horse on the back of the car flips when you turn because they are flipping the sprite. I'd never noticed it before and don't know how well it is known. Probably everyone but me knew. I didn't know. Yeah, I've played it and it does. When really? you when you, the car turns to the left or right, the actual graphic on the back of the car, the little Ferrari horse sprite, it's a tiny little thing anyway, oh. it flips. It no flips. way! Yeah, I never knew that. No way! Yes way! GJ Harris... 
Oh, I'm surprised you've only just got round to our type. I'm defo surprised that good golly Mr. Holly has, since it's really his forte, a shooter, shoot him up thingy. Definitely a go-to game for me when it came out. I remember my local stories amusements getting knit back in 1987. Queues were a mile long. Maybe not a mile, but long enough to play it. Those 10 pences were lined up. I've completed it a long time ago with just one life. What I mean was that I never lost one through the whole game. Maybe not now, but it still gets a go now and again. Definitely not just a classic, but a genre-defining game. I do agree with that. And I get where you mentioned you all seem to die on level four, and I know the exact spot. About halfway through the level, when you get those buggers that go around in a circle, dropping green webbing. Yep, that's why I got killed. Yeah. If you die here, you're you're done because you have no power-ups. It's a pattern game, really, as enemies always do the same movements each time you play. You should be able to do the first three levels without loss of a life relatively easy. Excellent podcast, as per usual. Five stars all round. Thank you, sir. Thank you, GJ. Pie Factory Sean. I work literally two buildings away from a Walgreens, which is a pharmacy in America. I can just get off of my desk and take a short walk over to Walgreens and get my own damn Cheez-It snack crackers. <laughs> but I'm still jealous of Vertvik's Cheez-It snack crackers. <laughs> You're on about them, weren't you? I do love a Cheez-It, me. Kingy from RGDS, 10 pence arcade, Sean Holly. Bit of a shite week at work, but but you made it better that I was able to listen to episode 102 whilst doing the aforementioned work. The Dudley Moore and Peter Cook of Retro Gaming, he reckons we are. Praise indeed. Who, which one's Mike? which? Are you Peter Cook? I think so. You're, you're funnier than me, aren't you? You're the daft little one. I'm the serious one. Yeah. It could be, could be right. There. Jerry Levine. Fab. Loaded up ready for the commute in the morning. Lewis Batcave, bloody love IREM or innovations in recreational electronic media. Just rolls off the tongue, that one. The same dudes went on to bring us Metal Slug and Polestar on the Neo Geo. Also, the amazing Ninja Baseball Batman. We saw that. Oh, who was it? Stuart Tracy's arcade, didn't we? Yeah, I've seen it other places as well. It's a bit of an odd game. It's good, apparently. Mm. Great podcast again, chaps, and is give you a picture of a cow, Vic. A cow. A what? On Twitter, a cow. Oh, I know what they are. Go on. It's those horses that make milk. The black and white ones. Near enough. Uh, Pinge from the Dragonless Fans Forum. First episode I ever heard. Awesome. I will definitely backtrack through your episodes. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Shout out. Right. We've got a few. I've got a few shout outs here. Go on, then. Get to Fork. Get, Get to, to Fork. Do you watch that good place I where do. she can't, where she's in heaven and she can't swear? I do not give a shirt about that. She goes forking shirt balls. It's <laughs> great. It's a great show. Charlie Farr has only just gone and kill screen Donkey Kong. Well, just stop, like, stop. Just like we knew he would do. And well done, Charlie Farr. Well done, he, sir. Eight hundred ninety-one thousand. I think he ended up with. Yeah, and he's going to go what? for a million. I think. Yeah, he wants to do it on a proper cow and a proper PCB, so that means at Arcade Club. And he wants to get one million, which apparently involves using the first hammer. You know, no one uses the first hammer on the first yep. level. When you use the first hammer, by the time you've used the first hammer and got as many points as you can, you get to the second hammer, it's getting really, really busy. So you've got to be a good player to dodge them barrels. Mm. That's why it's difficult. Also, on a shout-out for Jay Bell for organising the Williams Defender Players Unite Me to Arcade Club. It was a fantastic day, a real memorable day. It was brilliant. Hats off to you, sir. Is J-Bell a follow-up to Q-Bell, which is the U-Beat game? U-Beat J-Bell? Sounds brilliant. I don't know. You could put like, loads of new songs on it. Buttons on him and press him, I suppose. Yeah, I Anyway, congratulations to John Keane of RGDS and Get to the Chopper podcast and Shauna on the birth of their little baby girl. Aww. Congratulations. Well done, both of you. 
Well done. And I've, I've got a bit behind with the Pie Factory podcast, so I'll listen to three. Shame of them. on you, sir. I know. I'm really behind with all podcasts, actually. And I'll listen this to three. Yeah. I never listen to this, do you? Do you think anybody does? No, probably not. <laughs> just off. I've just, I've just listened to three of them back. Yeah, three of them back to back, and you've got to check out the Pie Factory podcast if you like us, lads. They're they're, they're very good. They're very funny. Mm-hmm. Couple of laugh out loud moments there. Usually and when they when they have a, a sample of me going, them lying gets lying gets yeah. And one last shout out for me, Cheeky Dingo Daz has left the Retro Domination podcast to concentrate on doing the Arcade Perfect podcast with Mister Tagster. Good luck, mate. Yeah, good because it's arcade related. Yay! Right, for me, Phil Murray, firstly, for all his hard work on getting a scramble multi-kit developed and actually working perfectly. Uh, get onto him on UKVAC and buy a kit for your Super Cobra board set. It's currently playing four games, Super Cobra, Stern Scramble, the harder version, Amadar, and Toidles. Toidles! He repaired an ancient Mr. Do PTB of mine, which I've had for a long, long time. And he also tested out my R-Type 2 conversion that I did. I was having a lot of trouble with the controls. I couldn't get it to go up. And when mm. we plugged it in and everything, it worked perfectly. It's just my super gun being an idiot. I don't think the controller was plugged in properly. It's a really, really stiff connection with the controller, the Mega Drive controller. And I think right. that's the only problem. So it's actually working fine. So thanks for that. He also burned some 2764 EEPROMs from which I was having difficulty burning. My burner just did not want to talk to it. And what had happened is one of the EEPROMs were knackered because he, he, he re... He blanked it a few times and tried it. It would not have it in either of his burners. And he's got a really expensive burner. So he just chucked it away and he did me some new ones. And they work perfectly in my Versus board set playing pinball. Nice. Oh, love that game. Uh, thank you also for swapping my jet fight for the magnificent Mulstar multiboard. I'm so happy I've got that. It's really good. Uh, someone called Syrup on UK VAC for sending me some transistors to hopefully repair my Battlezone monitor because I just couldn't find them anywhere. Mm. Also, Ali for being the wonderful coffee maker. When I visited him, and, and Mick Berry, who was also there, for helping me get Ms. Pac-Man working for Ali. And also shouts out for the other people who dropped into the shop to see me. Say hello. Nice, nice to see you guys. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Tech tips. Talking about my visit to the Retro Hunter, here's a tech tip I did when I did when I got Ooh, there. Go on. So, firstly, I pulled his police trainer monitor out uh, because it wasn't working. I tried... I'd look on the fuse there, see if there's any power going to it. And there wasn't. It was dead. The game was playing. You could hear it playing in the background, blind. And I pulled the chassis safely out for him with the high-voltage discharger. And uh, he's going to send it off to get it fixed. Uh, and also, the thing I'm going to do a tech tip about is Ms. Pac-Man. There's some things I found out on this. The Ms. Pac-Man he had was hacked to an inch of the poor lady's life. Yeah. It lived in a South End arcade for most of its life and was originally a US machine with US AC voltages, etc., so when I ventured inside it, the hacked-in switcher was actually laying on top of the monitor ISO transformer. It just fell off. It wasn't bolted down or anything. It just when it was in transit, it just moved and fell on top of stuff. Right. And also, the chassis was hanging out of the wrong kind of frame for the monitor. They put another monitor in there, and the chassis wasn't actually bolted to the frame. It just fell out. It was holding, just hanging on by the wires it was plugged into. God. Really dangerous. This was never going to work as it was. I also... Um, I bodged in a safe securing to keep the chassis from flopping off, which I just put some cable ties around it to hold it up actually nice and tight. And I'd look at the power in and where it was actually going. I couldn't really work out straight away as many wires had been spliced with other colour wires, making it difficult to visually follow. 
So I went about snipping off about 400 cable ties. Why do people use cable ties half an inch away from each other? When you're tying wires up, right, you tie like three or four wires up, why would you then put another three or four wires with it with another cable tie half an inch away from the one you've just done? Why don't you just snip the original one off and put one round all the wires? Good idea. Oh! I realised after a while the AC was going into the hand monitor, had three separate joins, plugs, wire wraps with insulation tape around it before it even got to the chassis. I also found out the mains from the wall outlet went into the monitor ISO on the wrong terminal. It was going to 220 volts and ground, not 240 volts and ground, which is our voltage. 220 is European. Maybe this has been in Europe at some point. Effectively, or uneffectively, using this as an ISO as a step-down transformer. But it didn't need one, as the cab had been modded with a switcher, which can have 240 volts straight in. The ISO transformed voltage was actually on the 100 volt pin too. A metre in it was actually near 150 volts, which is unloaded, but it's still too much AC to go into a Hantorax monitor, because Hantorax monitor requires 128 for the actual monitor, and 240 isolated for the DMAG circuit. So I sorted this. I removed the original transformer from the equation altogether, went from the wall outlet onto the 240 volt points on the ISO to isolated 128 volts for a Hantorax and then to the monitor. I also had to reattach the ground and plus 5 volts DC on the switcher as they had come off too. They just fell off the, the, the screws. With all this was then to my liking, I actually checked all the voltages with a multimeter. I carefully powered the cab on. The kill switch has also been bypassed, oddly enough. The game, remarkably fired up with glitch lines all over the screen from the PCB. And the colours weren't right. At one point, Mr. Pac-Man was pink. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, it would have been good, that. Another for Phil Murray. Because this fix sort of actually was a conversation with him I'd had the day before when I saw him on Saturday. I was speaking about this job and he mentioned that if the PCB was not modded to, T- to DC, because Pac-Man and Galaxian were originally plus 7 volts AC, they weren't DC like nearly all other PCBs. He said no. I'd probably have to crank up the plus 5 on the switcher to account for this. So when I got the game on and it wasn't quite working, I measured a few chip pins, ground and VCC, and found the board was only getting 4 volts, which is way, way too low. So I wound the voltage up to the highest, carefully checking as I was going, and got it to about 4.8 volts, because it's still running through AC, which needs to be modded properly, so not quite there, which made the game run properly. The colours were still out, though. A lot of head-scratching, and me realising I was one pin out on the edge connect, led me to find that the hack, another bloody hack, that was previously done, had swapped red and green around. And also, all the colour wires went to a funny little plug attached to the side of the cabinet. Because originally they went into the monitor, but they attached them to the side of the cabinet and then gone to other wires as well. The hack is bad. It's just all over the place. I don't know. It's no logic to it whatsoever. So half the wires were attached to a chop, but weren't even screwed into on on the metal core either. Because they'd actually gone through the plastic cabling rather than actually metal, the stripped part of the wire. So I joined them in properly as well and moved a few around. And I found out that... Red and green had been been swapped over. So when I put them around the right way, <laughs> the colours came back as the way they should. We then adjusted the monitor. The screen was in the centre, full tube, etc. I put the dip switches to set to normal. But then the coin door was also locked and Ali didn't have a key for it. I didn't have my safe crackers drawn me either. So I had to improvise. What I did is I wired a small removable wire on the PC edge connect, PCB edge connector from the coin to one player start button. This is an old trick from for free play. So you can still use a game of track mode and not have the press start to play on the screen all the time. So if you have free right. play on, it just says that. You don't get the you know, you don't get the track mode playing away. So it gives you screen burn if you're not careful. So what you do is you press one player start once and that puts a coin in. 
When you yeah. press it again, it starts again because they're both wired oh. to the same thing. That's clever. And what you can do on the opposite side of the PCB, you can do it with two player as well. So when you press two player start, it puts one coin in. Press it again, it puts another coin in. Press it again, play two players together. Oh, very it's a little clever. hack that people have done for years. All was working. Ali was a really happy bunny. Apparently, he waited 20 years to have his own Pac-Man. Yeah. So I plan to return when I can in the next month or so. And when Ali has the repaired chassis for his gun game, I can fit that for him, get it going, and then rewire the Ms. Pack properly. Because it's only sort of bodged, really, to get it going. And do the proper DC hack on the PCB for him, which doesn't take five minutes. It's only a quick hack. I may even fit a neat credit button on the cab for him as well, so you have to do the one-player start thing. Excellent. But basically, the moral to this tech tip is don't jump in with both feet. Get the thing open, have a look, see where things are going, meter stuff to make sure they are the right connections, unplug monitors and PCBs, and check the voltages go into them. So instead Mm. of just plugging it all in and and having 20-plus volts extra going into it and blowing stuff up, check it first. Because I think if I plugged that monitor in with 150 volts... It would have blown a fuse at least, if not damaged the monitor. So, in other words, open the back door and get you to do it. That is a good idea sometimes. If you don't know what you're doing, yeah. I wouldn't have a clue. And, and Ali's more of a console guy as well, so he didn't really know much about it. Mm. So, all fixed, sorted. Nice! Guess what now, Vic? Do we have a flyer quiz? Flyer quiz. Hit me with a flyer quiz, son. Hit me with your flyer quiz. Hit me slowly. Hit me quick. (laughs) Or just read out your stupid words. Right. These, I've got five of them, and I've just took one line from each flyer, so they might be tricky. Ooh-ee. Actually, I think they'll be all right. First one. Yep. When the chicks leave the nest, it's blank to the rescue. Flicky. Yeah, well done. That was an easy one coming from you. All these games are from 1984, by the way, so this will give you both. They're all from 1984. Okay, next one. The tractor beam will swallow up the enemy and reform them to the good side as the fighter's ally. Ooh. Tractor beam. Will swallow up the enemy and reform them to the good side as the fighter's ally. Oh, oh, Is it Gapless? Gallagher no, 3. Gall- Gallagher 3 it was. You got that wrong. Oh, it's Gapless. They called it Gapless as well. <laughs> it's the same game, isn't it? Yeah. Two out of two. Okay, I think I might have done these two. I get far actually. too into this. Go on. Okay, third one. Once again, blank is out to get to the goal while dodging perilous runaway coasters and a variety of obstacles on the track. Mr. Do's Wild Ride? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're too three good at this. Three. You, you cheeky get. Right, next one. This is a bit weird. It's sort of some weird translation. Oh, the other ones weren't. Final final star fights the last battle with Godeth, a gigantic continent floating in the space. Star Force. Yeah. Hey. That's four. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> it's gone. For, what do I get if I get five? A uh, million pounds. Oh, I'm hoping I get it. A pound. Anyway, this is... <laughs> right, this one. This one is quite... It's, it's not a made-up one by Holly, is it? I'll never if get, you get that. If you get this... I'll have a heart attack. It's anyway, made at one by Holly. Avast and yonder canines cure your ghostly encounters with the power of a German shepherd. Is this Robert but, Smith and the thing again? Boys don't cry when attacked by corgis. This is Robert Smith and the infinite 
wisdom or something. What do you, what do you call it? That game you made up before? You've, you've got the first two words, Robert Smith. So you've got ghostly and encounters. the chicken dinner. No, no it's, this is the sequel. Oh, what was when was Robert Smith and the chicken dinner made? Robert Smith and the deadly chicken dinner was copyright by Beardy Fall Electronics, nineteen eighty three. <laughs> this is Beardy Fall Electronics. This is Robert Smith and the slightly haunted dog. <laughs> well, I'm going to give myself a ping for getting most of them right, apart from the one that was in your head. That's you did very well there. Vic. Thank you, sir. Do you know there's going to be another Robert Smith one next time? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Best games by year. Right then, this is a section I quite like. This is our favourite games by year. This is stolen yes. from our GDS. Yeah, we need. No, stuff. no, it's not stolen. It's borrowed. It's a tribute. Yeah, that's it. Tribute. Yeah. yeah. 1979. Yes, in 1979. I was nine. We are now firmly into the Space Invaders territory with bootlegs, clones, hacks, peering all over the shop. Good games, good games. (laughs) Loads of Space Invaders things. So we're going to discuss the, I think, the most important games from 1979. Got a lot of good ones in there, son. It it was kicking off, weren't it? It really was. We have Asteroids from Atari. Hemorrhoids from Atari. We have Galaxian from Namco. And I think you like Cosmic Alien as well, don't you? We've We've done Cosmic Alien before, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Great game. Very similar. Very similar concept. I think they must have nicked the idea. They must have done. Yeah. We have Atari Football, the cocktail table, which popularised the trackball. I don't know if it was the first trackball game. It may have been. This isn't the, this isn't UK European football. This is American football, isn't it? Yeah, X is and Was this the one with four trackballs on it? Was it a two-player one? Two. Two-player. Two. I remember seeing this at a fair that used to come to our local uh, village. That's unusual, you know, because we don't really get American football in the UK. We never did back mm. then either. So I'm surprised yeah. people even knew how to play it, because there's quite a lot of rules to it, isn't there? Yeah, you just roll the ball and swear a lot. I don't know. As you do. Mm. Next one, Head On from Sega slash Gremlin. Eat All the Dots in the Maze, a full year before Pac-Man was released this. Mm. The game style was copied by loads of manufacturers. Exidy, Zachariah, Taito and Nichibutsu all copied Head On with their own versions. I hate this game nowadays. Absolutely hate it. But I always used to put 10p in as a young'un. I had various ports of this game on the VIC-20 as a kid. Next one. I love this game, Lunar Rescue from Taito, from Nishikado, who that legend who did Space Invaders. It is the next game that came after Space Invaders, so kind of a sequel. Yeah, around on the same hardware. Yeah, there were other games in this style, were Galaxy Wars from Taito and Space Launcher, which we've already talked about from Nintendo. Wicked, really cool, addictive game. I love playing this with, the, there's a bunch of us Vackers. UK Vacas at one of the revival shows, or was it the South Coast Slam? We all got round it and played it for ages. We had a big revival, wasn't it? It might have been a revival. Yeah, we had a big competition. It was really cool. Really got into it. That was on a proper cab as well. I think it was Ols Cab. Yeah, it just picked it up, hadn't he? I remember oh, that. Such a great game that is. Next one is Ozma Wars from Shin Nihon Kikaku. Do you know? Ooh, who, do I know them. That's SNK. SNK, the first game from SNK. First game to feature different levels and the first game to have an energy bar. Well, an energy readout, actually, not a bar. I tried playing it today. It's really, really difficult and unfair. Do you know another game in very similar times had an energy bar? A few of the bootlegs of Galaxian had energy bars. Ah. Yeah, so that was 1979 as well. 
I had an energy bar this morning, like one of the oatmeal things. Ugh, I get stuck in your I, teeth. I ran around the street in 12 seconds. But how big is your street? Oh, sorry, not the street, room. Oh, yeah, room. Front room. Anyway, Sheriff from Nintendo. We have to mention Sheriff or Alex would kill us. Yes, he, he does game. like a Sheriff in. He does. I played this loads of places as a kid, you know, and virtually there's none left anymore. There's only one, well, there's only two in the UK. Actually, there's probably about three, but there's one upright, Alex's one. He's got a really weird table version, which is only a one-off, and there's a few yeah. tables lying around, but hardly any of that game left. And I played it loads as a kid. It also was licensed to Sega as Bandido, and I remember playing Bandido as well. It's on a, a yellow screen. It was yellow phosphor, you know, a black and white screen, but yellow. Exidy, not Sega. Mm. And I played it as a kid on that as well. Remember it. Remember it really clearly. I don't remember seeing it anywhere. I, I may oh, have I just, loved it. I really liked it. That's how I knew about it. I may have just ignored it, but I don't ever remember seeing it. Mm. Anyway, Starfire from XCD. Technically, this is a December 1978 release, but obviously we didn't see it till 79. It had the first high score table. It was the first environmental cockpit thing, so you could sit in it. Oh. Uh, the enemy ships look very like TIE fighters from Star Wars. Suspiciously Star Warsy looking. I can't believe Lucas didn't rip out exit for toilet paper. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, I think game copyright law didn't really exist back then. I think Asteroids, what we've just mentioned, is the first game to ever be cited in a copyright dispute. Atari was suing someone else over a game called Meteors, I think it was called. Yeah. And that was the first ever copyright dispute. So I think it was all a bit weird back then. Because I remember... I think Sidam, which is a Spanish or an Italian game manufacturer, they did a copy of Asteroids. I think it's called Asterock or Meteor. It's probably them that got sued then, if that's the case. Planets. There's one called Planets I from... I think there is, yeah. Alka, or is it Alka, somebody like Basically that. the same code with just a different copyright message, isn't it? Yeah. Next game, Astro Fighter from Data East, a popular shooter, many, many bootlegs if you're looking, Mame. This is the prequel to Astro Blaster. I also play this a lot as a wee nipper at the Holiday Arcades. Brilliant game. Yeah, Sega and Data East had kind of a, a partnership with this. So yeah, the when thing going on. <laughs> so when Astro Blaster was released, it was it was a lot better on this, I think. It's a really good game. Yeah, yeah, slightly updated version, isn't it? Anyway, yes. Video Pinball from Atari, the first realistic pinball simulation. Very clever use of smoke and mirrors. Well, LEDs. LEDs and mirrors, and a physical playfield with the video display reflected onto a half mirror. Really nice game and cabinet. The actual play level is actually on the top of the cab. If you look up inside, up above, it's actually stuck on the roof of the cab, the ceiling, and it goes down onto a mirror, and then the, the actual video screen is mirrored onto it as well, so you get the both together. It's really clever, the way it works. It is good. Alex had one just recently. I think he sold it again now. Next game, Lunar Lander, again from Atari, a vector version of an old mainframe text game, and an inspiration also came from Moonlander, a 1973 light pen game. Ooh, weird. I cannot see love for this game. Incredibly hard, ridiculously rare and collectible nowadays. I wouldn't have touched this with my 10Ps as a kid or a 12-foot barge pole. Just don't <laughs> I like I it. I quite like it. Really? Quite, it's, kind, it's kind of relaxing. Yeah, it's like, it's like coming down, coming down, shh. Thrust, thrust, coming down, coming down, death. Yeah, you have to. That's, you that's, have to, that's the whole game. Coming down, slowly turn around, just death. death. You have death. to thrust a week death. before landing. <laughs> yeah, rubbish. 
Warrior. This game is Warrior, Warrior. Vector Beam. The first one-on-one fighting game, maybe. We yep, talked about Vector, Vector Beam last time. Mm-hmm. Larry Rosenthal and Cinematronics' last game. And there's some more history about this, about Larry Rosenthal and Cinematronics. He split from Cinematronics, started a company called Vector Beam, mm-hmm. struggled with Vector Beam, joined back with Cinematronics. It's quite interesting, really. Mm. Uh, this is a bizarre game. It relied on the bezel graphics actually stickers on the screen to give the illusion of walls, etc. on the game. Because when you move around, you can fall down holes, but the actual physical screen gives you barriers where you can go. And obviously, if you took that away, they'd be invisible on the screen because you've just got a few vectors. It's also, this is interesting, the warriors in the game graphics are based on crude motion capture techniques. Oh, I didn't know that. Neither did I. Okay, so what then. is your pick for 79? Uh, well, maybe not some My... of those, maybe some other ones. What games would you really recommend if you're in 1979 playing the new games? My best game of 1979, it's still in my top ten of all time, is Galaxian. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just beautiful. It's perfection in a game. It's really it nice, is isn't it? incredible. Followed closely by Asteroids. Oh, yeah. And in third place, Lunar Rescue, which no. I do love. <laughs> So, my picks, if I was back in 79 out of run of the new games, is Cosmic Allen. Because it's a better Galaxian clone than Galaxian. Oh, I don't know. In my opinion. Followed closely by Space Launcher, which is also a kind of clone of Lunar Rescue. And then Galaxian, because Galaxian's great as well. I have two Cosmic Allen wall mount cabs. I own PCBs nowadays that play Space Launcher. I used to have a table machine, not anymore. And I've got a Galaxian multi-PCB. So I do like these games and still play them to this day. Galaxian is a game I played extensively in the arcade as a kid. And it was, a sp- it was Space Invaders that flew down to attack you. And in colour. Colour! First true colour game. Awesomeness. Actually, not the first tr- yeah, first true RGB sprite game. Is that right? I think so. There were earlier games. There were a few colour games. But... That they didn't use the colour in the same way, I think. Mm, yeah. Mm. It was amazing. I remember seeing it when I was a lad. Just you know, you're sort of grown up on Space Invaders and Breakout, and then you see this. It was just incredible. Yeah, on a color telly. Another mm. nearly ran favorite for me is Space Fever and High Splitter. Very similar games from Nintendo. Mm. Just a really cute rip off of Space Invaders because they're cuter graphics. I really like them as well. Yeah, I remember playing that somewhere. It's a nice game. Featured game review. Let's get on to. Alan the Barber, a haircutting game from 1982. <laughs> yes. Or maybe not. Ali Barber and 40 Thieves by Sega, developed by ICM March 1982, runs on Pac-Man hardware, which is a Z80 at 3 megahertz. Of course. And it has, and it has sound chip, a Namco 3-channel WSG. What's WSG? Wide-sounding game. Yeah, it's a very wide-sounding game. It is. Four-way stick and one button. How to play? How do we play this, Vic? Sean, how do you play this game? You are a weird yellow dude, Alan Barber. Who looks oddly like Pac-Man. He does does a bit. Beard stroke, beard stroke, beard stroke. (laughs) You must stop the 40 thieves from stealing your seven bags of money at the bottom of the screen. The thieves descend from the top of the screen when the level starts and you can kill the blue, white or green thieves by running over them with your huge fist in arm. Ooh! Oh, huge It's, not, it's not 40 all at once, it's four at a time. Three of them you can kill, one you can't kill. Do you know when you go in a Chinese takeaway and you see that... that wavy hand cat. It's a luck a symbol. A wavy hand cat? Yeah. yeah. What is but, that? A luck symbol? 
Yeah, it's a good luck symbol. They use it is in it? a lot of Eastern countries, yeah. I've got one yeah. um, on my monitor in the front room. Oh, really wavy nice. hand cat, lucky wavy hand cat. I thought he was just trying to get you to buy more food or something. No, it's a lucky thing. No. Anyway, the red guy out of all these thieves cannot be killed in normal gameplay and will chase you, killing you on contact to get. Here's where your fire button comes into play. Pressing the button drops a kind of a poop. A poop. A poop, turtle style. Turtle style. Turtle. Out of your out of your backside, making the red guy reverse direction for a couple of seconds when he hits it. Yeah, just to get rid of him. It's like a sort of a, a flare kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Get off I, you, you red man. Get away. I had, I had some flares in the 70s. Bell bottoms. Bell bottoms. The thieves will steal one of your bags of money if they reach them in the closed-off area at the bottom of the screen. You have to run over them to retrieve your money before they reach the, their base at the top of the screen. You lose a life if all seven bags of money are successfully deposited at the top of the screen by them awful bandits. They're sneaky writers as well, aren't they? The AI in this game is pretty good, making them evade you in quite an effective way. Oh, it's annoying, isn't it? Oh, they're sneaky. Oh, they're <laughs> sneaky. Sneaky <laughs> little devils. There's a countdown in the centre box on the screen telling you how many of the th- 40 thieves you have left to dispatch. Get them all when you and you complete a level. And the level starts at... You're on level double zero, by the way. Level two oh. is 01. Okay. Isn't it weird? Yeah. yeah. Then it's on to more fun and frolics on level 01, which is exactly the same, except the red guy, the captain thief, moves faster and jerkier, the big jerk. The big, fast jerk. Jerk. Question marks appear periodically around the centre box in the playfield. Collecting them randomly does one of four things for a seemingly random amount of time. Yeah, you right, can't these are tell the four, which is which, can you? These are the four things it does. The maze disappears and Alan goes massive. He can now squash the captain thief and anyone else on screen by pressing the poop button at the right moment. This is the only time you can kill that captain thief. Oh, I didn't know you had to press the button. I, I thought you had to hit him with the fist because your fist is like on the right hand side, is it? I thought mm. to run over him with the fist. I didn't think if you, you, you hit him with the button. I didn't know that. That's what I would do in anyway. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, the second one, the maze disappears and the red captain goes massive for a short time. Dodge that og- ugly forker. Use the poopy button to give him the slip. Mm. Third one, speed up. Ali goes into turbo mode for a time and can catch the thieves much easier. This is the most enjoyable part of the game, in my opinion. Me too. Squash them thieving gets. Gets. Open sesame appears sometimes, and the doors guarding the stolen loot open at the top of the screen, and if you can get up there in time, you can get one bag of money back. But yes. don't get caught in there when the gates close, because you, you're just stuck in there, and they'll just kill you. Oh, I didn't know you could get caught in there. What happens, what happens if, if you get caught in there? Well, you're okay for a time, but as soon as the red guy materialises, he just runs into you, and you're oh, dead. Oh, yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. Tips and secrets. First tip is do not let Tronads pick another game. No, he's not doing that again. We can't trust, he can't be trusted, that man. <laughs> Try to ambush the thieves. It's hard to catch them if you start chasing them when you are too far away. So lie in wait like a slinky lynx hunting a vole. Meow. I'll put here. I'll put here. God knows where I put this. Or an empty crisp bag dancing in the wind. Dancing in the wind. That does make no sense. No, whatsoever. you do not. That red swine usually ruins your cunning stealthiness, though, by poking his fat red nose in your thief-hammering business. <laughs> yes. Because the thieves, I think they run, they move at about the same speed as you. I think you can move a little bit faster than them, but 
they're very good at evading you. And when you're trying to sort of yeah. get around them, the red guy comes and pokes his nose in and you can't get them and they get away and you lose a bag of money. Mm. Catching the thieves with money, uh, it's worth more points when they don't have money, much like in real life. Yeah. But if you, if you let two or more of them get the money at the bottom of the screen and they're running up the screen, it's really hard to get them both. And if three of them, one of them's going to go past you. So I just try and let one of them get the money if I can. Graphics and sound. What's your opinion on graphics and sound, Luke? Well, it's an old game, isn't it? They're very, very simple, and they're not very well drawn either. They look a bit like a child drew them. Yes. In 1982, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. I've put graphics are plain as hell. Lazy, even. Even the title screen is meh. The bolero tune is pants. It's this one. Yeah. It's remind me a bit of uh, Commodore 64 Paradroid sounds, which I quite like, actually. Well, we have to mention this, right? When you start the game, it's about a 20-odd second flipping intro animation rubbish with a tune playing. It's yeah. really boring. Okay, listeners, you had this coming. So if you want to play this game over and over again, you've got to wait 20 seconds every single time. What I did, and I encourage everyone else who played this at the time, is to use the save state to jump past that as that junk. Because my main version hasn't got the speed up button for some reason. Because mm-hmm. I think you press like F11 or F- 10. F- F10. To go quickly and then you let go of it. But mine didn't have it. So I, I set the save state just after the intro. That intro is really annoying. Yeah, yeah, it's not great, is it? Rubbish. Okay, cabinet art. I can't find... None. Yeah, I can't find any flyer, any artwork or cabinet details for this game at all. I can't find any correspondence on this game. I think this was kind of a filler game released in Japan to put Pac-Man machines... To put in Pac-Man machines to squeeze a bit more money out of them in 1982, 83 or whatever. I'm just guessing that, though. But listener Brian Haribo says he has played this in Blackpool, so it must have... It must have come over here some sometime back in the early 80s. It might have been a kit, you know, rather than mm. a full PCB. It might have been a kit that fitted on Pac-Man. I don't know for certain. Yeah, there's no, no idea whether it'd be licensed or not from Sega. I've no idea. But there's a no lot marquee. Of things were, yeah, you could hack stuff onto Pac-Man's quite easily. What was it even Sega? You don't know, do you? I think it was. Hasn't it got mm. copyright Sega on it? Right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I remember now. Oh, go on. There's that. You know, there's that weird website. It's called something like Sega History or something. It's a Japanese website. Yeah, SegaInteractive.co.jp. Yeah, oh, it's there, yeah. And you, all the games scroll towards you like you're going through time. Ooh. 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 And you can click on it, and it's there. There's very little information on it, and I translated it from Japanese, and it's just in, instructions on how to play it. So there's no information on the game. It wasn't actually a Sega in-house game. It was written by another company, so maybe they mm. didn't promote it that well. Mm. So there are a few ports, believe it or not. It was ported to the MSX, which is a Japanese computer, which would make sense. Uh, And also the Sega Master System. It's a Korean unlicensed port of the MSX version in 1989. Also, weirdly, a Russian computer called the Vector 06C, which is snappy, got a port of the MSX version as well. 
So somebody liked the MSX version and decided yeah. to port it. Weird. Also, there's a ZX Spectrum clone called Alibaba, just Alibaba in 1985. And it looks really similar to the game. It's a really well done version. All the 40 Thieves got a good old fashioned hammering. So they're all dead and a follow up would be impossible. But maybe Alibaba and 36 brain damaged petty pilferers would have been the follow up. Mm. Four dead in May's killing spree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Splattered. Anyway, we're on to the scores now. And we've got a picture from Ben of Steel. I think this might be a takeaway near him. It's, and it's brilliant. Alibaba's Ali 40 dishes, southern fried chicken. <laughs> not not Alibaba and the 40 dishes. Alibaba, 40 dishes. Brilliant. Brilliant. You can order anyway. it on Just Eat as well, so you have a takeaway. Nice. I might order it. I wonder where it is. Where, Ooh, do, where does These scores where does are interesting. Just seen scores. These are interesting. Not great. Oh, God, there's loads. Oh. Of, really, those many people played it? Oh, my Lord. There's right. about it's it's a it must have been a popular choice because there's at least thirty five people played it. Right, I need to get this out first for the first score. This is from Mark Unhappy Dude. Mm. He got hundred <laughs> points. He put a score on of zero, and then he and then he thought, well, my mate Train has picked it, so he's got one hundred <laughs> and then quit. <laughs> I have not been so happy that the two weeks is up since Peter Crap Rat. But I believe this is worse. <gasps> that is a bold claim, isn't it? It's bad. It's bad. Ooh, it's bad. Alan Delta Lima, 7,000. Sorry I haven't, haven't made the first two games of the new year. Hope I can get better at this. It has 10 pence Vic written all over it. It wasn't you. How dare you, sir? It was it was Mr. Trollnads. How dare you? Rob Carpenter, 7,200. Only just managed to get a quick go on this, so hence the Ali Bobar score. Not been on much lately to submit as I sadly lost my father, who was an absolute legend in January. Oh, that's really bad news, Rob. Sorry to hear that. Uh, so, family first. Absolutely. Just gone on to the four-way mode. Much better. Some good scores, though, peeps. Not mine. Steve Monkey Chunk, 8,000. What the f*** is this Mad Pac-Man weird clone of a game? Exploding Pinball Man. Boom! Go Pinball. 9,600. Haven't enough time to snuff up these poor people looking at the get the money back. Score for now, 9,600. Ross Ross, 11,400, had a quick go, and he's took a photo, and he's, he's in some kind of sheepskin Because <laughs> <laughs> it's well, freezing. He, he's, in, he's in his fridge-cade, I think we call it from now on. He's in his shed. Ross yeah. Ross's fridge-cade. <laughs> Eric Banana, 11,700. Uh, last and only the second go for him. Uh, too weird, and the controls are like you're on ice connected to a wall with rubber bands. He's going back to coding Stuntman, which is a game he's doing on the Vectrex. Yeah, it looks really good. It's good and good, yeah. To be fair, I like the avoidance behaviour of the thieves. Because uh, Eric is actually a, well, a games programmer, he teaches programming, he's pretty good with the AI on it, thinks it's quite clever. Mm. Must be. Stacy King, 12,900. I'm still <laughs> I'm still un- somewhat unsure what is actually going on, me too. Uh, Mick Orwell, 13,900. Ali Bobbins. Good to meet you last week, Mick, at the Defender Defender Players Meet. Good to meet you, mate. Damien IW, 14,500. What on earth has Tronad's found? (laughs) These things keep stealing my stolen money. It's annoying, and I keep coming back to it, and I don't know why. Neither do I. Mick Berry. Good old Mick Berry. 14,900. I'm too used to doing running, not the chasing. Weird game. Oh, Paul McCaskey, fifteen thousand four hundred. What would make this game get getter better if there were only ten thieves and you had a gun? Yeah, not really my sort of game. Yeah, it takes too long, doesn't it? 
getting 40. Yeah. If it was 10, or maybe just 20, it would make the game a lot better, I think. Alibaba and half the thieves. Alibaba and be. just a few naughty men. <laughs> much better. He is Jimmy. I am Jimmy. 15,900. Why do I want to want to don a lilac shift on top and spin round till I drop? Whatever you do in your own time, Jimmy, is absolutely fine with us. We endorse you putting on a purple top. Whatever you want to do, mate. I think, does Alibaba wear one of them or something? I don't know. We don't know. Jimmy, what are you on about, man? Anyway, Vincent Marmite, that could be you. Me. 16,400. I'll switch my light off. Yeah, don't think much of it so far. And I was using a savescape to skip the, the to intro, uh, intro nonsense rubbish. Hashtag don't care. <laughs> so I didn't play Ta- many games of it, to be honest with you. I just It was a bit weird. Not a yeah. terrible game, just not a very good one. Yeah, Meh. my thoughts. Yeah. Meh. Tactical Giles has scored 17,500. Just give me my point and we'll pretend this never happened. <laughs> ben of Steel got exactly the same score. Apparently only one cab left in existence and it lives here. That's the photo, the Alibaba photo ah. takeaway. Ali's inspiration to open a chicken takeaway came primarily from playing this game for weeks on end. Ali can now be found in a locally secured unit, heavily medicated, throwing his poop at the walls. <laughs> Nick 73, 20,300. No time to have a proper go on this, but the avoidance tactics of the thieves that I initially found charming now does my nutting. Yeah, me too. Sorry, Tronad's not feeling this one. Chris Mooncrest the bootleg, 20,900. Moo! It's rubbish. What animals go moo again? It's them, them horses with milk. Oh. Yeah, that's them. Carl Parry, 21,200. I might have enjoyed that last go too, although that intro oh, does yeah. his head in. Nick Silver Smurfer, 22,100. Not for me. This should stay buried in the cave. Reminds me of a game and watch trying to herd the damn thieves. <laughs> Chris Smith, 22,300. First time I've felt felt let down by my stick. Have you ever felt let down by your stick? No, but Chris is always let down by his stick. (laughs) Tagster, 23,500. A hidden gem of the 80s, or was it buried like those E.T. characters hoping to never be dug up again? Trollnads is out there with his trolley digging stick, and he's dug this turd up. He likes this, he really does. Oh, God. Michael List, 24,100. It's not really that bad. It's got its charm, certainly, until the giant red thing catches you in a split second, of course. Mm-hmm. Ben of Steel, 25,000 dead. 25k seems a nice round number to tap out on. Incredibly irritating game, which annoyingly has like just one more go factor. Going to join Ali to paint some chocolate rainbows. We've mentioned Ben of Steel twice. I've got his old score and his new score. Sorry, Ben. So your new score's 25,000. Yes. Next is me and I Shane think, Hollister. Shane Hollister. I think I'm in 16th place. You know, I've done terrible on oh this. Oh my lord! Twenty-five thousand. I I played it till I completed a level, and then I thought, right, that's it. I'm not playing anymore. It's Same here. I did like one level, and then I just got really bored of it. I played like three times, maybe twice, three times. Hmm. Mm. It's okay. It's not. It's not terrible. It's mm. not brilliant. Mm. Darren Coles, twenty-six thousand four hundred. I quite like this game to start with, but I don't seem to be improving much. Ooh, Michael Wartman. These scores are getting quite good now, I think. 30,100. Hate this game, love this game, hate this game, love this game. Must stop. Ah, I can't stop playing it. Ian Cullen, 30,600. Am I alone in starting to think this is not actually that terrible? Yes, you are. (laughs) Matthew Bridge, 31,200. I kind of like it and I kind of hate it. Brian Haribo. He's made a sweet. 
33,700. I remember this. A proper old Blackpool game. Too many thieves for it. Like, elevator action levels are too long. It should be Alibaba and his 16 shoplifting friends or something. Yeah. Good name. Good name. Retro Mash, 34,300. I'm glad I tried this one more time. Red Dude was a bit more manageable on the second level. I think I actually reached the third level. It was a bit of a blur. Love this game, is put. But the red guy gets really quick on the second level, doesn't he? He does. I don't know if he slows. Don't know if he slows down on the third. I don't know. Neil twenty to five, thirty-seven thousand dead. Okay, so there's a slight nuance to the scoring, but I think that's about it. Mm. Some really good scores now. Trollnads himself has got forty-one thousand eight hundred, and he's put first Alibaba score for me. I've texted him this afternoon, and he's away from home, so he says he can't get back, but he reckons he can do better than that. Oh, okay. Do you know what? This is a kind of game that is a guilty pleasure. And that's obviously mm. Mr. Trollnads' guilty pleasure. Because with me, it's kangaroo. It's a mm. bit of a naff game, but I really like it. You know, I admit it, it's a naff game, but I just like it still. Yeah, Steve Tyke, excellent game player, 42,400. Power-up times that make no sense and question marks that don't register make up a game that strangely tells the brain, one more game and I can do better, but hacks you off time and time again. Yeah, sometimes you get the question marks and whatever power-up it is instantly goes away. Oh. It can be a second and it disappears. It's very weird. They must have just put a random number generator into the time then. Could have Which done. is a bit yeah. awkward because you can't really gauge when you're going to stop killing stuff or whatever and they get you again. Mm. Rubbish. Right, we're into the really good scores now. Ben mm. Granville, good player is Ben, 46,900. This game is like one of those basic typing programs from an old <laughs> magazine. Why am I still playing this? An hour later, I'm asking myself, myself the same question. It's kind of addictive. No. It's kind of. No. Charlie <laughs> Farr. Oh, Charlie Farr's in third place. How bizarre is that? 49,400. Peter Packrat is a masterpiece of game design compared to this atrocity. <laughs> harsh, man, harsh. Sol dropped in at the last minute about an hour before we started recording. Trying to do a Mitchell on us. With a 51,200. Whoa, 50,000 My, my last-minute submission. Anyone else reckon the titular Alibaba is saying why oh why over and over, channeling what we're all thinking? This is my least favourite Ali, way behind Ali Bongo, Mohammed, G, Sheedy and Oop. Muhammad Ali, <laughs> Ali G, Ali Sheedy and Oop Ali, Ali Oop. Ali Oop. Always clever is that lad. Let's get one of the just for the sheer perseverance in this game, Sal Bugliarisi who is also the top player on Kangaroo, another NAF game, 59,800. Well done, Sal. It seems this old man has a knack for the crusty weirdo games. Remember who won the Kangaroo high school contest? So every NAF game from now on, Sal is going to beat us at it. He's going to win. I wonder if he's any good at Peter Packrat or Megazone. Megazone's good game. Or Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder's not a bad game. Rubbish. Rubbish. So that's all the scores, and I can't believe that many people played it. I know. Normally, when we get a rubbish game, like three people play it, including me and you. It's a bit of a mixed reception, that one, isn't it? Some yeah. like it. Well, I some, think some can tolerate it, some hate it. I think it's very nearly a decent game. Yeah, it needed a few tweaks, I think. So yeah. let's talk about that summary and improvements. Get rid of that intro, for God's sake. Oh, that's 20. Yeah, yeah. 20-second Pants Bolero music while the guy moves up and down the screen. Pants Bolero? Is that a special sort of ice dance? Just in your undercrackers? Yeah. 
Can't believe no one hasn't hacked the one-player firebind as a speed-up, like the old Pac-Man hacks on MAME. Mm. Some of the hacks on MAME, if you hold down the one-player firebind, which obviously isn't used in Pac-Man normally, you go really quickly until you let go of it. So they could right. have done that just to whiz, whiz through the, um, the the intro. I think you should have some variety in the graphics, for God's sake. Even changing the maze colours, each board would have been a change from that drab brown colour of the bricks that come in and out. Yeah. Cut scenes, bonus level, anything. Bonus points for finishing a level with money bags intact. Different maze layouts, different character graphics, and have some bullets instead of that no, chasing mechanic. Sure. Stop with the bullets. Go and play Eyes or Pulsar if you need bullets in a maze. This is an innocent robbery maze game involving clubbing thieves to death. <laughs> I like bullets, though. I like clubbing Any- thieves to death. Uh, anyway, I've put final words. I've put file under mildly interesting early 80s curio. I've put... Mm, 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 <laughs> nah. Or an action trolling from that trolley McTroll face, Trollnads. Not the worst game in the world, but surely the most annoying due to the slippery thieving gets. Mm. It is quite clever how they get away from you because they, they, they don't just blindly run into you. They evade you. Which is kind yeah. of what annoyed me about the game. Yeah, if, they, I know. if they were a bit more stupid, the game might have been a bit more fun and a bit easier. Yeah. And I think, yeah, 10 thieves at a time. So, so say you had 40 thieves. 10 thieves would do the first level. 20 the second level. 30 the fourth level. 40 the fourth level. And then had a little intro. Maybe a little sort of animation of you know running after the thieves or something. That would have made the game a lot better. It would yeah, have made it yeah. a, a much better game if you'd done it like that. Mm. And then when you've done the 40 Thieves, it goes back to a slower speed, maybe? Yep. Yep. So, yeah, it could have been better. A lot better. Yeah, not not brilliant, but not bad. Right, we've got two sections to go before we finish. Next show's game. Now, it is one of my picks, and... Yes. 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 It's a classic, <laughs> and it's got to be done, Sean. Donkey Kong Jr. just done donkey kong we did donkey kong about two years ago no we didn't yeah we did okay it's ages ago so developer guess who the big n nintendo the rom if you're playing on mame is d kong jr three lives extra lives at seven thousand, and there's no difficulty setting that is it I am going to have a go of it. You know, I'm not a fan of donkey kong even though i realize it is a very good game i'm not a fan of it so i'm gonna have a do with this have a do have a do. I actually played it quite a bit on the NES at the at the Batcave because Jake Smith got me into it. And the NES version is a really good version of this. It's very good, yeah. Mm. So you should be pretty good then if you get the NES version. NES version's well, quite easier, I think. And I think there's it, it is. Uh, the NES version hasn't got the hideout, has it? The hideout level. Um, I'm not sure if it's got all four levels. Mm. I, know, I know the. Yeah, I think it's Kong, got four. Yeah. Oh, because Donkey Kong on the NES has got a, the Pie Factory missing. Right. Those anyway. So yeah. So that's that. Get your score on Twitter with hashtag 10pscore or on Facebook as a comment or on the podcast post or send me or Sean a message, whatever you like. But get, get, your message, get your messages to us with your scores. Get the pictures up if you like. And the deadline for score submissions is 18th of March, 5pm UK times. Yes. Right, one last section. Home computer and console arcade ports. 
I bought Vector Pilot recently for the Vectrex. It's a Tutstronic game, and I cannot wait to let you play it. It's so good. Mm. But to help me with the review and talk about his upcoming showcase at Revival is uh, Chris Parsons. And we did a recorded interview a few days ago, and I'll pop it right in here. Hello, Chris. Hello, Vic. We have Chris Parsons, CNP, uh, with us on this little review of... Vectrex Moon Vector Patrol. I was going to say Moon Patrol, then Chris. Uh, it is the same thing, isn't it? Basically the same thing. Yes. Um, I've asked Chris along for this review because he is a bit of a Vect- Vectrex expert because he actually programs Vector games. Tell everyone about your games that you've programmed so far, Chris. Before we go into this review. Uh, you say games. There's there's game, one. Really. And you're in the middle there's of one. doing another one. Yeah, and uh, there is a small demo game called. Uh, Present Drop, which was a Christmas one, but that was a free one. It's not very good. Um, my main that? game that... Yeah. I've played that. I've got that. It's good. Oh, have you? <laughs> it's, it's good. The, the ROM's kicking around, so if you've if you've picked up a load of free ROMs, plays Jingle Bells, and you drop presents in chimneys. Yes. It's pretty good. I like that. I didn't know you did that. How good is that? Okay. Um, yeah, but the main one that I have actually released is Big Blue, which I think lots of people will have heard about yep. that's the deep sea diving treasure collecting dodge sharking dodge yes. sharking shark dodging shark that, dogging that. pardon uh, no oh no oh no Def- definitely not that um and that's uh, yeah that was the one i released it's been a few revivals as yep. i developed it and got ideas that's uh that was full boxed release yeah, i've got one uh, it's it's sitting next to my uh touch games actually aha uh-huh, they're a bit bigger aren't they, they so are. yeah they do look nice together one, though yeah, they're lovely. All the homebrews are good. And what is the new one you're working on at the moment that we played? Yeah, it started out called Frontier. It's mm-hmm. Wild West themed. The main bit of it I have actually finished yeah. is, uh, or near to finish you've played, is, is two-player versus. So I need to add a one-player. But it's basically sort of like Outlaw on the Atari 2600 boot yeah. hill on yeah. the arcade. So for now, that bit is called Outlaw Hill. Outlaw Hill, brilliant. Like yeah, making, <laughs> making no... Uh, not trying to disguise where it's nicked from. Absolutely. Um, I'll try and do more of an original idea for the single player. Yeah. Or I might need something else as well. So that that's in development. I was at Revival last year. To be honest, it hasn't moved on much since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a few uh, bug fixes, a couple of additions. Used it at a couple of meets to have knockout competitions. Cause, Which I got knocked know. out in. Yes, I know. <laughs> by who? Who was that? Eric. Eric, Eric, Eric? beat me. Uh, at least he won it. You knocked out by the winner. Yeah, that's okay. I did win, I did win one uh, round, which is pretty good. I was all happy about. Good times. They are. So that, that's to come. Um, but yeah, that's slow progress on that. I blame having a real job. And a but, real life, yes. Yes. So um, what, what um, programming language do you program in to do the Vectrax? Because I've known so nothing in, about this. So it's in 6809 Assembler. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, there's a couple of assemblers you can use to code that in. Um, and there's some built-in BIOS routines. So mm-hmm. it's not, I don't think, it's as hard as it you might imagine. Um, if it's fairly sort of logical flow through the program, use some built-in BIOS routines that do the things like you say, I want to draw these these uh this sprite well it's these coordinates because it's yeah. uh, vector based in this position move it um and you can make use of those you can get a lot cleverer which i don't do mm-hmm. in writing your own routines for moving the beam around drawing and all the sorts of parts of it and that's if you start doing cleverer things drawing more on the screen you're going to need to start getting into 
writing a lot more of the hardware side of it yourself. Oh, I see. But yeah, so it's fairly standard 6809 assembler with some uh, nice BIOS routines you can use to cool. to actually work with the Vectrex. Yeah, because your your game Big Blue, I presume, uses all that stuff you just said, and it, it runs at a nice pace. It's a good little game. It does, yeah. But a lot of people set out and they they immediately start going for that, and that's cool. And um, you know, to really push it, my aim was to be able to using the BIOS routines, which I, I think most of the original releases yeah. use the BIOS. It still plays music all the way through it, which a lot of games don't. Yeah. But using so to that end, still write a game that was you know decent enough and runs smoothly couple of times i could tell if my i was trying to draw too much because then the music would slow down so uh-huh. it's always a good sign so there's a few things you can do to uh to improve the performance you draw the sprites differently draw them massive and scale them small uh-huh. um, so anything you draw on screen vectors you sort of get 3d zooming scaling for free because you can just put a scale value in so because it's nice vector vectors obviously yeah so it's not getting blocky so you can zoom it all in but there's a quite a large overhead in scaling things large. So one one tip for performance is you draw your sprites as big as possible using the longest lines that it lets you do, which is like one to eight, and then sp- use a really small scale. Oh. So I was doing things like that. In the screen, if, I don't know if you got that far, There's it's swarming with jellyfish, and I yes. wanted to have quite a lot on screen. The music took a real hit. Yeah. So if you're observant there, you would notice that's the only screen it doesn't show the score on. Oh, score, so you just the got score rid of that. Disa- the score disappears from the corner, yeah. Well, there's too much going on the screen, you don't even notice it. Yeah, and then that gave the performance just enough that the music doesn't slow down anymore. Nice. But it's sort of things like that, but it's not too... I don't think it's that difficult if you're using the BIOS routines. Mm. So do you think Christoph Tutts, who wrote these games, <laughs> used the BIOS routines? I think he wrote his own, didn't he? <laughs> I think he took those and threw them out um, several years ago. And the thing is, each game he does, so he did Vectrexians, then he did Vector Pilot. We're absolutely amazing. And now Vector Patrol looks like it's drawing twice as much again. He's doing incredible. So, you know, you've got the bars routines. The thing after that, you can take that code and bring it in line so you're not calling them. That gives you a little bump. Next thing, you rewrite them yourself, move the beam around yourself. Uh, do all that side of things and then after that i mean i know he's he's doing things like when you're drawing and the beam is moving around the screen you've you've actually he's going off and making other calculations in that wasted time while it's moving the beam around oh right um and optimized everything he has and uh another guy who's written an ide which is really good now for programming that's malban it's christopher solomon he did the frogger game yeah yeah i know the name Um, so he's, he does a lot of puts a lot of work into this IDE called Vide or Vide V I D E. He's also does a really good blog on that page for Vide, and he's really looked into what Christoph's been doing with Vector Patrol, with Christoph's blessing and Christoph's chipped in. Mm-hmm. He's even the the sort of EEPROM he's using on the board is is a, a certain type that lets him do cleverer stuff with the calibration All right. and get more performance like that without getting like the perfect drawing on the screen without taking a hit on performance. All right. So there's some more good stuff to come then. Yeah. I mean, he's just doing crazy clever stuff with Vectrotron. I mean, you've seen it. It's just yeah. nuts. That's running on a Vectrex. Yeah. It's mad. Yeah. And it does even more than the arcade, which is really weird because 
when when Christoph does his games, or when he did Vector Pilot, which is obviously a Time Pilot clone, he basically cloned the game perfectly with all the levels, all the baddies, all. I don't think there's anything missing from it from the arcade version, and then decided to add a few more bits to it at the end. Yeah, and that's what he always does. Crazy. It, it takes. It can take him. You know, it takes. I think it's seven years between Vector Pilot and Vector Patrol. Wow. But he, yeah, he's always absolute perfectionist wants to get it working like the arcade i know i assume he did it with vector patrol with pilot and i know that he took the arcade code disassembled oh, to wow. make sure make sure it played the same that he was having the same you know wow. the, the logic in there and the things it was doing he had in his so i think he starts out with that gets it as perfect as possible then adds bits in <laughs> and then with any space left on the 64k because he's he uses bank switching to so he will fill every last piece of memory and space on the cart yeah. with little added extras so with vectrexians the first one he did he he'd released a free rom yes um, i've got the free rom and you mentioned that the actual full game because i was going to buy the full game anyway because I want to support the guy, and I actually like the boxes. I really like the boxes. They are cool, aren't they? And you said that the Vectrexians has got extra parts to it that the ROM version hasn't. So it's well worth yeah. buying it then. It is, yeah, apart from just supporting it, and it looks great, and mm. having the three together. Um, I think since the ROM, he added, for the release, he added calibration. He increased the stability of the drawing of the sprites, yeah. added difficulty levels, and then he put 3D intros and things like you see in Pilot yeah. and Patrol with the... F- the 3D moon buggy or the planes. It's really it, good. It's got th- like 3D spinning um, spaceship from Galactians, and it, he improved the sound as well. And then a few, a few of it. Because on Vectraxians, obviously the games are all in vectors, which are all thin lines. He's made the graphics look like sprites, like you know, raster graphics, like solid yeah. graphics, which apparently is quite difficult to do. Probably is for. Yeah, for a full game drawn like that, a lot of people are doing it now. Where you, you know, if you do a font or something, and it is, yeah. you, you're kind of building it up how a raster display would yeah. CRT would draw them. You do do it line by line, but you're just turning the line on and off oh, to just see. draw the bits. So yeah, you're building it up in the same event. You are essentially you have to be using lines of vectors, yeah. but you're just drawing several horizontal lines. Yeah, and he's got to a make whole it look like a raster of invaders. Image. Yeah. And the guy you control and the scores and everything else. Yeah, and say on Vector Patrol, on the when it loads in and the, it shoots the letters of Vector Patrol, those all look like raster graphics. And it's they? exactly yeah. the same font as the arcade. With And if you've got the overlay on your machine as well, because when you, when you open the box, when you get it, uh, I think he always gives two overlays. He always does different ones, yeah. With this, yeah. there's two. I think he's, had, so he's can... got a choice of three, but I think the first one runs out quite quickly because it's a limited one. And he always gives two, because I've got two with Vector Pilot and two with Vector Patrol. And I actually use the, them because they work really well. They're really nicely laid out with the colours and the graphics. And, and what you, your character is always pink because it's got the pink block on the screen. And you've got the overlays. Because it's a vertical game on the Vectrex, because Vectrex is obviously vertical and in the arcade it's horizontal. He couldn't fit all the information on like the stats. You've got like you know where you're going, the score, what's coming overhead, all this sort of stuff, the letters you're going to. And he's actually put it on just as block graphics, and he's put it on the overlays, which is yes. really clever because you can, as you said, because you've got this um, calibration part of the, the game where you can actually move your screen around and get it perfect to your overlay. It then saves it on the cart, so when you play it again, you haven't got to do it again. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. 
it is amazing the the level that calibration goes to is yeah. in itself is just nuts and yeah. the, the i have read i don't understand 90 percent of it but christoph's uh the the um sorry malban his his write-up of what christoph is doing with the calibration with the cartridge eprom with his drawing routines is it's fascinating even if you don't fully understand it to just yeah. get a feel for the crazy levels of of magic he christoph is doing to make this stuff work because these games i can honestly say are better than any of the released games from the 80s on the original vectors and so is chris's game Easily, easily, but easily. I think that I think that goes for a lot of home systems like C sixty four and Specky and that is mm. that all those all those people had deadlines for their releases. Yeah, actually, always I here, suppose, and that's yeah. why they missed out. And now you get a team of people know loads more about it. Or it might just be one or two people, and they've got months and months and years to yeah. to polish something like Commando on the Commodore sixty four, where they added all the levels back in, mm-hmm. added all the graphics, the chopper at the start, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. So, when you when you get the box, I, I think the game's is it forty euros? I can't remember the price of it now. It's, it's quite reasonably priced. It's forty euros plus postage. Is it? I think fifty, but is that with two? I know you can buy it with one overlay. You can buy two overlays. Yeah, I'll, two I'll put it on the on the website to look at <laughs> yeah. and where to so get it. So it's forty from. fifty euros, and it's not a lot of money for a game like this. I mean, it, it, I'm not a massive fan of Moon Patrol. Sean is. But I used to like it, and when we played it for the, the the challenge, I sort of got a bit bored of it, and I, I wasn't very good. And Sean really liked it; he really got into it. And I wanted to play this when he comes down next. Well, probably I, I probably won't see him in person until May for revival, and I hope oh. you're going to be bringing it with your Vectrexes. It will be set up on one of mine. Uh, Otherwise, got, I'll bring it with it, me as well. No, I'll be bringing it for sure. A part of which is. I'm not sure how you unlock the extra stuff, but Christoph always puts loads of unlockables. Yeah, I was getting onto that. I asked you earlier well, about that, and I yeah. can't find them just yet. Typically, it's for completing at a certain level and mm. then completing again at the higher level. So I think with Moon Patrol, it's going to be going right through, maybe once through with the cr- continues gets you something, mm. then through with no continues, then through on the harder unlock level. Oh. Um, so what I'm banking on is pointing Sean at it at Revival. Him <laughs> not, it. Yeah, him not letting anyone else have a go on it, yeah. sit there playing it and uh, accidentally unlock everything for me. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get on to the unlockables later on because that, that is a thing I'm fascinated with as well because I've unlocked, I think, one of the extra planes on Vector Pilot. When you do the game, you unlock another plane. I think yeah. there's about three or four to unlock. There so are, yeah. when you get this, you get it in a, in a really nice looking, like an old video cassette case. It's huge. It's got to be... 10 inches by 7, I reckon. Yeah, it's one of those sort of padded ones, isn't it? Yeah. That you yeah. used to get some stuff in. So it looks like... Did the original games come in something like this? Because I don't think I've got any original games. No. They, were, they were cardboard the, boxes, weren't they? They're exactly the same as uh, Big Blue. Is oh, done that's right, to yeah, be, cardboard it's, one. It's basically done to be a, as close as possible to the original. So they, they were cardboard. Yeah, yeah. With, with like a foam, a spongy thing yeah. To, yeah, inside. Quite, quite large, but um, just sort of cardboard, yeah. So it's actually it's actually wrote up inside. I see a sticker in there. Tutstronics 2016. So that's when he, he planned on getting it out. <laughs> it took longer than it did. And they're actually individually numbered. I've got cart number 192 here, which is quite cool, especially for the old collectors. Yeah. And he hasn't even put it on his website yet. It's just by word of mouth. If you know, you email him. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. That's I, I'm in contact with him anyway because I've been sort of um, – 
you know, periodically over well, the last year or two saying, oh, you know, how's it going? You know, hopefully it's going okay. Any idea when it's going to be out? You can be really careful <laughs> with him because he's yeah. such a perfectionist. And it doesn't matter how long it takes because we know it's going to take a while and we know how good they're going to be. And I think this one did not disappoint. And it's Definitely. a really good one. Actually, eventually got it through the post. It's really cool. So you get a little, a little. Um, you get the cartridge obviously inside. You get your overlays, and you get a little uh, nice color instruction manual actually, which I haven't even read through yet. I should read through this. You know, it's quite useful for the calibration to get it really right. But yeah. um, it's, it's it walks you through that. Yeah, nice. So it's pretty good. And when you actually play the game, it's got loads of extras the arcade hasn't got. So the attract mode. I know about one of the unlockables because watching your track mode, and there's one called uh, Death Valley, the Death Valley it's a one. No, no, it isn't. It's it's oh. just a normal one. But I, when I was watching the track mode, there's a thing where it it says, "Oh, extra gravity," and when you bounce, okay. you can actually bounce the 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 buggy really high to get over some really tall obstacles. It looks a lot of fun. It's bouncing all over the okay. place. It looks crazy. But there is, I think. A Wild West theme level. So instead of having the the, the buggy, you you're a, a guy, a cowboy on a horse shooting. Yeah. I think you can shoot forwards at an angle as well. I saw. I watched a I video so. on that. It's um uh, that came up in my attract mode. Did it? Yeah, I haven't seen the Death Valley, but I had left it playing, and uh, I came back, and it was showing the it's a cowboy on a horse running through. That's right. Wild yeah. West background looks really cool. So, but I want to play it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it on a video. So. As well as as well as the normal attract mode playing the game, it actually shows the extra levels, which yeah. you may or may not unlock. So it sort of gives you that idea that something extra is there. And that 3D animated scene in between, if you some between some levels, or if you get the high it's every score, two, isn't it? Every two levels. Yeah, and if you get the if you beat the current uh, high score for a particular level, it, ah, it plays it as well. That's right. If you that's get so impressive. Time. That's so cool. It's it's like the camera moves around on a 3D. It's got the the the, the buggy. Sp- Really shooting along, going past all these billboards and the, the roads all scrolling, and it's sort of the camera moves as well. So not being content with just the 3D image, you have to move a camera around as well on a Vectrex. It's it's mad yeah, stuff. It's really it nice really animation. Is. It really is amazing. Did you notice the tune it plays when the the track mode's coming on? It plays "Walking on oh, the Moon" by the Police. Yeah, it does. I, I wasn't. I do know the song, but I'm not. I don't like. So I was listening to it. And I was like, <laughs> I was humming along to it. I went, I know this from somewhere. This yeah. isn't from the arcade. And I went, to walk here. Oh, it's walking on the moon. Uh, that is bloody moon. brilliant. Once, once someone pointed it out because I'm not, I'm not a big police fan. But once someone pointed it out, it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. Isn't it? Another amazing thing about the game, and it plays music all the way through the game. Which, considering the amount of stuff he's drawing, yeah, it doesn't struggle mad. at all with it either, does it? Because you think the music may slow down or cut out a little bit, but it doesn't. No. Really does. And we talked about the, the calibration mode as well, which is quite cool, because it actually saves that. So you can get your, yeah. if your Vectrex, because Vectrex is usually a little bit wobbly and a bit sort of on the on the skew a little bit. And you can get it all in the middle, so you get your, your overlays lined up perfectly and everything. Really smart. The levels are exactly the same as the arcade, because I've played the arcade all the way through before on the first level. I can do it. I think the levels, he must have copied, or not copied, sorry. He must have analysed the code from the original game again. I'm pretty sure it does, yeah. So he's he got has... the exact length correct as well, where the, the potholes are, where the, the boulders coming at you are, where the spaceships come in, and it's the same number of spaceships as well. And I also thought, when I was playing it, I thought, oh, the the aliens above you, if you leave them long enough, they come down and crash on top of you, and it wasn't doing that to me. And then when I played it again, 
I left it a bit longer, and they do. It's just exactly the ah. same as the arcade. It's not even a little bit like the arcade. It's an exact it's... port. And I even noticed the scrolling in the background is parallax scrolling like the arcade as well. Yep. You notice that? Yeah. And another really cool thing that isn't in the arcade, and it can never be in the arcade because it's not a vector game, is on some of the, the background graphics, like you've got sort of um, like a tower, and it's got like a tiny dot on top of it, like a pulsating beacon. Yeah. And it's he's actually animating it with the, the pulse of the, the Vectrex. You know, you can get sort of brighter lines and it can fade out. Yeah. For everything you draw, you can set an intensity as well as the scale on that. So you've got that's something you can also just do as you program. So he's clearly doing that. But as well as doing that, he's parallax scrolling it at the same time. Yeah. Which is <laughs> three times a level cleverer than anything I can think of you could do. And on one of the volcanoes, it looks like traffic's going up the road. You can sort of like, it yeah. pulses yeah, in and out. Yeah, that's a little animated, isn't it? It's yeah. really clever stuff. So that's even better than the arcade, I reckon. Yeah. A lot good. of it is. And that's what, that's, like you said, he, he gets it exactly the same as the arcade till he's happy with that. And then he adds stuff. Because... Moon Patrol isn't that simple a game either, because when you've done the first course, the screen colours change. Obviously, it can't change in a Vectrex. It's just black and white. But then you get the expert course, and you get different things. You get little plants coming out of the holes, and you get the the sort of the trucks that come from behind you shooting at you and stuff as well. And he's even done that. Because I've actually – I used the the, – the continue mode, because there is a continue, because the arcade's got it. He's got it as well. He's got it, yep. I did that and finished the the easy level quite easily and then went on to the hard one. And if you watch it, you can see everything is exactly the same as the arcade. Because at one point I thought, oh, it's missing the the, the, the the sort of moonscape, the cityscape in the background. But I hadn't got to that level by then and then realised right. it is in there as well. Yeah. So he hasn't really missed anything out on it. I, I doubt it. I really I'm not do. that au fait with the original past a few a few games this now makes me want to next time at arcade club or if they have a revival i'm going to be playing it yeah. but from the other side see how close it is to the vectrex yeah uh, but it's also made me really appreciate the game that every go i had i was getting a little bit better i was in, increasing skill beating bits that previously died and needed continues yeah. and that's i think that as a sign of it being like a well well tested well thought out arcade game shows yeah. through the thing is I, it was like the reverse, ten, the, the 10 pence effect where you love a game for years. I remember playing Moon Patrol as a kid. And if I had it on an, a home version, it would, have, it would have blown my mind. I would have loved it because it was a favourite of mine in the arcades. But then when you play it for the challenge and Sean and I and all the listeners were sort of doing best scores and stuff, I got really bored of it. I just, you know, I could get so far in it and I couldn't get any further and it was frustrating me. I got bored of it. This one, I like better than the arcade version. Which is something for me to say that because because it's on the Vectrex because you've got the extras, you know what the arcade version's like. You know at the end of it you go on to the expert level and that's it and you get better scores and stuff. On this one you've got the extra levels coming up. You've got save games because it actually saves your score unlike the arcade as well. Um, and it's also got these extra little intervals and I'm, I'm sure there's some other intervals in there. It's going to be sort of secret ones as well. And you get like the billboard comes up tells you you're doing great and all this sort of stuff. And it's got a pause function, which is quite nice as well. That is nice, yeah. Get a cup of tea. Yeah, absolutely. So I am going to buy Vectrexians just so I've got all three, I think. Um, and on his website, he's, he was also working on a Cuba clone. Yes, but he, I mean, he added those, I think, Vector, even better, Vector Patrol perhaps, but, mm-hmm. so, uh, sorry, Vector Pilot, but Vector Patrol came up around the same time as Vectrus. 
was oh. added. So he had, he'd made starts on a few. Oh, right. So there's like a gyrus one. So this is the one he sort of got into. Yeah, but on on the website at prototyping stage, because he hasn't updated it, it still has Vector Patrol, so that was obviously close and now released. And the next one that's in prototyping stage was Vector Hopper. Mm-hmm. And he's put pictures up, I mean, years ago when he got first got the other ones done. He's got the Vector Hopper Cuba overlays already made. Oh, wow. Um, Ooh, but from, that's interesting yeah, then. But you're probably, I would say, based on this, it's probably is three or four years yeah. away. Unless he's particularly close, but I know even when he puts it out to testers and the core game is finished, as you see with this, it said 2016. That's probably when he finished the core game and has been added and tweaking, wow. making sure there's no bugs. Yeah. I think as well, the cleverer you're doing things and pushing the Vectrex, the more careful and more testing you need that it works on all different Vectrexes. Yeah, because they're um, not all the same, are they? No. Are different, which is an odd thing because... <laughs> You think of the Atari 2600 or uh, Commodore 64, they were mass-produced, millions of them were made. But the Vectrex, I presume, wasn't made in such large numbers? Yeah, it'd be lower numbers. It was made made for less time, sold in far fewer numbers. I think the nature then of the tech, probably made in, in differently in different uh, countries. Yeah. And the nature of the technology and the way it's drawing vectors with the beams probably means it's a lot more, as capacitors go and get old, yeah. I think it just affects the way it's drawing and, and things vary, whereas you wouldn't know any difference on a Commodore 64 until one of them blows and it breaks. Yeah, You wouldn't particularly notice any degradation there. Whereas I think the Vectrex, it, all the combinations of all the components, the beam and the way it's driving, drawing and everything, it's just that, the nature of it. And there are timing differences in them because the cleverer people like Christoph and Thomas Santowski, who's done the Vec Fever, mm-hmm. Asteroids, uh, Robot Arena, and all those ones. Yeah. He's probably the other guy doing the really clever stuff who's worked out all the internal timings um, and do, doing that side of things. And, yeah, he, I think he sort of identified four or five internal timings that if you get a Vec Fever, you can set your Vec tracks to be to match the timing that it has internally and it, oh. it makes the it's it's like a calibration but it's more simple it's like pick one of these five numbers and you you know the easiest way to tell is the on-screen text and get that as perfect as it looks then you set that and then pretty much all the other games will be a lot more accurately drawn because right. on my my own vectrex i was having a problem with upside down text you were and I worked out in the end, when I took it apart one day, I found a pot on the, as you were looking at it, on the left-hand side in the back of it, there was a pot, and I turned it, and I could actually see the text skew around and come up huh. perfect. I just left it there, and it's been fine ever since, which was which really weird. kind That's, of weird, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, how, you would look at it and think, but why would that? You can imagine it getting skewed, but drawing it upside down? It's just odd. <laughs> it's it skewed right around the other way, but some text was okay, and some wasn't. Yeah. When I turned it round... The normal text stayed still, and the other ones, I think it was like the bigger text, went, it sort of skewed itself all the way around. It's like someone had adjusted it right around the wrong way. Yeah. So it wasn't me, because I mean, I, I've never took it apart before, but yeah, it seems to work nicely now. What I think it's an absolute goer. If you've got a Vectrex, you've got to buy this game, because you won't get it on a ROM. You won't get it no, illegally. You, no, you won't. You won't. Because it's so big, it's got to go on its own cartridge for a start. It does, and it needs its. It- it will need the particular um, – I think I did put a note here. Uh, as I say, go to that blog by Melban mm-hmm. um, and, and read up on this. But it was something like here just a, a two- or three-leg EEPROM where previously one leg, so where you're saving the score. Yeah. But his by having 
a two two way information on the way he saves it and the oh. scores, the calibration. Anyway, there's some that wouldn't work if you just flashed it to a any ROM cart. Yeah. And I think that that's pretty much the same with the Thomas Santowski games. He if if they came out and you had a ROM, you wouldn't be able to yeah. play them on a regular flash cart. Yeah, but I mean, forty odd quid for a, a game in its own box, its own instruction manual, save scores, and it's such quality. It's got to be worth it. I mean, 40 quid is nothing for us, you know, upstanding individuals that we are nowadays. We're not kids anymore. I mean, but imagine getting that for Christmas when you had a Vectrex when you were a kid. How cool would that have been? It would have blown your uh, mind. Just beat everything, wouldn't it? Yeah. And the <laughs> thing, you get a lot of homebrews that you can, you can get out there. A lot of the Atari ones, I find, are quite expensive and you get a lot less yeah. for the money. Yeah, I think I paid about 30 quid for my 7800 ones and they just came with a very flimsy instruction sort of card and the car only. Yeah. Yeah, and mm. so I think on the Vectrex as well, people doing the overlays, boxes, all all that side of things. If you're doing a small run of it, print runs for all that, that you know the price quickly goes up to to make all that stuff. And so if I think for that price plus the years and years, seven years of his effort to to actually make the game and make it so perfect, yes, yeah. it's, it's a, I think I think it's a bargain. Yeah, well, he's sold at least 192 so far because that's what my one is. <laughs> At least, and and that's without advertising it, right? I yeah. think I think Vectrexians. No, it's just where every so often someone will put up they've bought one, and mm-hmm. everyone goes, "What number did you get?" And the kit track. I think it's it's over five hundred Vectrexians, but really? I think it's eight eight or nine hundred Vector pilots. <gasps> really? Um, wow. Yeah, and that's a lot. You know, the the market for a lot of these was seen to be maybe fifty, hundred, two hundred for the top top games. Yeah, I. I thinking I was going to do a sort of lifetime supply of Big Blue had two hundred made yeah. and messing around jokingly, but uh, Jim Watt and Chris Malcolm, Chris Binary Star, who I you know share a lot of information and we get yeah. our stuff printed together, um, they were pulling my leg and ribbing me that I was going to be sat on these these copies for years and years unsold, yeah. and and the, all two hundred of those sold since sold another hundred PCB only some some with a box and wow. and cart label and because of that and people. You know, people say they, it's not not great if there are these limited edition homebrews that only the people who have got their finger on the pulse or know the people can get. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to make mine limited. It was just, it's, it's that case of, you know, there's only so much of this stuff you can get printed and made, have in your house and have the money to print. By the time you've got everything printed, ready to go to start selling these to people, you've, you've spent several thousand pounds. Yeah. I bet uh, you're thinking, I uh, hope they sell. I really hope they sell. <laughs> yeah. You need, you, and, and so because of that, that's why I'm, I'm doing a new run of the fully boxed one with overlays. Oh, right, To make cool. it a bit more interesting. That was – no one can see this but you, Vic. Mm-hmm. That's the – That's um, the one I've got. The one you've got, mm-hmm. do you see? And so done it in the American style just to make a bit of a difference. And oh, yeah, while, the GCE rather than the, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't have the languages on the back. They've got the screenshots. Oh, nice. So That's the cart cool. label's different, the yeah the instruction manual. So it's just to make it a bit different. A lot of US collectors said, really appreciate all the work. looks great, but it also looks weird. Your My MB game yeah. amongst, amongst all my American GCE ones. So, nice. uh, so those just about done. The overlays are the last thing, and they're with the printer now. Cool. So by next week, I'll should have a bunch more uh, fully boxed with overlay big blues. I'll bring a bunch of those to revival as well. I'm sure you won't last long with them, mate. They'll be gone. 
Talking of revival, that handily puts us on to revival. And you were going yes. to be there with how many Vectrexes? I'm going to bring five, I think, as long as they all hold up until then. Five. I've got five. five I've got six. One was bought. One was bought broken. Two fixed. Yeah. Pe- people always talk that like Vectrexes they break if you look at them funny. I've had. I've, I've given two away. So overall, I've had nine of them, and none of them have ever broken. Wow. I've got five working at the minute, and so I'll bring all five. Yeah. Um, all but one, maybe all of them. I, I've got. There's some quite cool Vectrex wraps you might have seen. The side art makes them look yes. like yeah, arcade, arcade machines. machines. Yeah. So they'll all be uh, wrapped up nice, if you like that sort of thing. Some people don't, but I think they look really yeah, cool. They look really cool. Yeah, I can see why some people wouldn't just like it, like the plain black light original. You know what would look um, good? A big blue wrap. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Michelle Fiore, who does one, has the artwork to oh. do that, but he's had it for yeah, he's had it for six months. I think real life is getting in the way. Yeah. Um, but at some point, at some point, there will be a a big blue vector wrap. Yeah, so there are going to be five Vectrexes there. And yes. what kind of games are you bringing? Because you've got some ones that other people haven't got. You've got like prototypes and stuff? Yeah, I've got some things. And, and being fairly friendly with a whole bunch of developers, we share prototypes and just work in progress. Um, so I will keep a Vectrex, original controller, all the original games, maybe some loose carts lying around, multi-carts, uh, pe- you know, chef there are people there who just want to see a Vectrex doing what it always did. So definitely mm-hmm. loads of originals. Um, then one will have Asteroids, which isn't out. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier Thomas Suntowski, the Vec Fever guy. Yeah. Amazingly clever at Vectrex as well. He was ill for a couple of weeks earlier, uh, late last year, so he decided Asteroids, uh, Vectrex needed an Asteroids. Yeah, So he's part apart from being... Ooh, he's showing me a cartridge with the Asteroids logo on. That's really smart, isn't it? <gasps> and, and a little topper. So I'm going to have these toppers for each one because I think they're really cool. Where, where, where can I get one of those from? They're really cool. It's like a little sort of marquee. It is, yeah. Uh, on Perspex, just a little stand. It perfectly fits on top. It does look really cool. So toppers for your Vectrexes for 2018. Really that's, nice. that's the new thing. So any, yeah. So he's, um, apart from it being in portrait, not, not landscape, it is arcade perfect. Yeah, but Minefield works Asteroids. really well in there. So Asteroids is going to work just as well, I think. Yeah, it's actually a little bit harder, I think. You see stuff coming a bit later. Oh, yeah, um, I suppose. It, I'm going to be interested, to actually, again, to see people who are really good at Asteroids, mm. see how they fare at this Asteroids on, on the uh, Vectrex. And actually, just last week, he sent me an Asteroids Deluxe as well. Mm. So I'll be able to have both of those running. I Astros really like those games. It's really cool. Are they going to be really for cool. sale before long? Do you think on carts in a nice box? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Because of the copyright come, thing, I suppose. There's the copyright thing with Atari. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to do the the asteroids, uh, I think notionally it's called Rocks and Saucers. Ah, oh, um, yeah, yeah, Rocks if, and Saucers. My favourite game, Rocks and yes. Saucers. Yes. Nothing like think, asteroids. Nothing like it. Not, not at all. Not at all. Except it is. It's just so <laughs> it's impressive. Exactly like that. asteroids. It's uh, crazy. I think if 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 the Vec Fever when that's out, it'll probably be on there. So okay. the realm of that Robot Arena, which is I, a two-player. I've played that. It's so good. So I'll have that going. That's a twin stick shooter, a bit cross between what would you say, Robotron, um, Galaxy? What? Not, um, what's the Xbox? Oh uh, yeah, Geometry Wars. Geometry Wars, not Galaxy Wars. Yeah, um, because it's Wars. Yeah. What we really need, Chris, is a, a dual stick 
for the Definitely tracks. That. My solution at the minute, and it's, uh, it is ace, but I don't know if it's revival safe, is... No, I've got an, that. That would work. That would be fine. I've got an adapter that lets you use a PlayStation Two controller, which would be absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Not not revival safe because it wouldn't be safe to have there. The the way it's been done, it's so easy to uh, push a button on the controller that turns you in, send, send you into the remap the buttons. Yeah, and it messes it all up. I, I played that at your house, and I think I did it by accident as well. Everyone who picks it up goes, yeah. oh, oh, it's stopped working. You go, you've remapped the buttons. Yeah. And every time I came back to the Vectrex section at Revival, I think I would be trying to get that working again. So yeah. if someone by then could have a twin stick ready, that would be awesome. That that one person, I think, would be pushing it. They could probably have the hardware done. It's, this, it's the, the PCB side that needs to be done. But I'm sure that person is working on it. Excellent. Nunch, nunch, wink, wink, know what I mean, know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so that's all the stuff at, at Revival, which I'm looking yeah, forward to. Yeah, there's a to. few other things. Um, obviously, it's, Tell me more. Well, Chris Malcolm, who does Binary Star, Jim Watt, who does Clockwork Robot, mm-hmm. should both be there. They've been previous years. The Scottish guys, yeah. Scottish guys, Jim's Stramash Zone, which definitely isn't Battlezone. Oh, yeah, I have seen, I've seen a, uh, an early version of that, and it was pretty good. Yeah, so he's getting close to having the boxes and things done. So at least, again, that'll be playable. Chris has been putting up... I mean, he's got loads of games he could bring, but he's just put up Dragster, which I think he's been trolling by having the score that he's got on it. Is it 5.71 or something? Oh, right. So he's done a conversion of Dragster from 2,600. And then, yeah, but I've got other controllers. I've got, obviously, your... Vectrex controller which yeah. will be on there which are very limited everyone wants those it's nice to let people play on them mm-hmm. I've got, on the hardware side one of my Vectrex is hopefully two by then a guy called Charles Tweedy has made he's made debuzz software because there's various ways to debuzz Vectrex is a really nice easy one to install for people like me mm-hmm. and really really works perfectly it's silent yeah um, and then in the one of mine I've put that debuzz in I've also used his audio tap yeah and that lets it gives you a stereo out. You plug in external speakers. Oh. It takes channel one and puts it on the left, channel two and puts it on the right, channel three puts it into both. Yeah. Um, so even if the old music hasn't been written to be in stereo, it oh. appears stereo. And just the sound bump quality is astounding. It's just awesome. Yeah, because the, the, the sound chip in the Vectrex, is that the same as a scramble hard? Is it a YM chip? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's such good sound. Because I've heard some really, really good tunes on the Vectrex. And obviously in Vector Pilot, they're really good as well. It's exactly arcade yeah. perfect. Nice one. So that that's, uh, you know, things like this is a controller by Fury. I'm that looking at the spinner with some arcade buttons on. That's a very nice looking thing. It is nicely done. You Ooh. can see all inside it. And that's specific to a game called Hellhole. So I'll just bring whatever's out. I, I, I'm in touch with a few of the developers so we'll have for sure games that aren't out yet mm, nice. um, hopefully some newly released or almost released ones that people can can buy as well chris and jim might have some some sort of games available for people that'd be of, nice because I mean, i've got their Knox and their death race death, yeah really good Nox, games that's just double game one that's excellent mm. so yeah so some cool stuff there and revival's always great it's the first place i showed Big Blue, I just rocked up with a PCB 
um, you know, Craig, Craig didn't know me at the time, was really happy for me to show the game there. I think Sean had a few goes and actually gave me some good ideas for the game. And, yeah, he, uh, he said a lot about bullets, but that wasn't going to go in. Yeah, no. You know what he's like. And, you know, and I've been back everyone since, started taking my own Vectrexes. So the last couple I've taken two or three Vectrexes. And because Craig's doubled the space this year, he's sort of, he's put, shown me the map. He's uh, told me I've got double the space as well. Mm. So I think I'll be able to spread it out well, have have a couple of seats at each Vectrex, set up the speakers and, and yeah. have a, you know, the toppers and things. So Vector should, should look great. Should be, should be. Excellent. I think he's called it Vectorcade on his. Vectorcade. Uh, Vectorcade, yeah. Well, there's enough um, arcade ports to be playing now. So yeah, you can probably get an arcade game on each one. Definitely could. Brilliant. It, each one has the uh, decals to make it look like an arcade machine as well. Nice one. Okay, then. Thanks for that, Chris. Um, so, in wrapping this up for Vector, for Vector Pilot, Vector I think Patrol, we better. I wish he'd stop putting vectors in his, his game. But Vector yeah. Patrol, I would <laughs> give it 10 marks out of 10. And I don't often give full marks because the game is exactly arcade perfect. It's got nice box, nice graphics on it, uh, nice presentation. And because it's above and beyond the arcade version, it has to have full scores. Yep, definitely. 10 out of 10. It's the, it's the best game yet. I um, think so, sure. yeah. Of all, all the Vector games. And I, I really like Scramble on the Vectrex. I really like Scramble. But it seems so primitive compared to this as an arcade port. Obviously, back then, it was rote. You know, they probably didn't have access to the arcade hardware or the software. And they had, obviously, as you said before, they had deadlines to do. And it's still a really good version. And it's, it was, it's, yeah, it's very similar to the arcade because I've played the arcade a lot. And I can like loop it 10 <laughs> times. And you know when certain things are coming up. And in, in that game, it's exactly the same. You know when stuff's coming up. So it's sure. really well done. It is. That, that was excellent. But yeah, 10 out of 10, I think. I mean, Vector Pilot was obviously amazing. Mm. There's Protector, which was the Defender clone yes. from many years back. It's probably the other one which you just look at the overall quality yeah. and think, yeah, that that was up there. It was probably the best game on the system. Mm. Um, but I, I would now put Robot Arena up there. It's obviously not out out yet. Yeah. But a few games like that are just pushing the the system so so much now. It's amazing. And everyone will be able to play all these at the Vectorcade. So everyone, come and see Chris. I'll be there. I'll be hanging around there. And uh, thanks very much, Chris. Thank you. Cheers. See you there. Yeah, that's very good. What I found interesting about that is how he's talking about the scaling things on the Vectrex, how you can you scale something massive yeah, and then reduce it, and it reduces the amount of memory it uses or it speeds a game. That's very weird, isn't it's it? A, it's a weird thing. Because it's vectors, and we think of vectors as in a vector game, a vector monitor, vectors in graphics are scalable graphics. Yeah. So you don't use any resolution. So maybe that's the idea of it. And squashing it down compresses memory? I don't know. Yeah, Chris is a clever it, lad. Yeah, instead of making a very small graphic, you make it bigger and reduce, use the scaling effects in the Vectrex to make yeah, it smaller. Yeah, that's built in, I think, on a Vectrex. And it runs better. That's, that is strange. But yeah, really interesting, that. And I'm looking forward to Revival when Chris has all his Vectrexes there and we can get to play some of these awesome games. Oh, it's only a couple of months off. I love Revival. Oh, so do I. I can't wait for that one. It's going to be really good. So that about wraps it up, old sir. Enjoy playing Donkey Kong Jr. and I will beat you later. I mean, see you later. <laughs> he probably will on this one. I hope Boo. so. Boo. I'll have to reset my scores and uh, start again, really, because my top score 
is about 150, which is paltry, 150,000. Right, so you reckon you can beat that now, do you reckon? Ooh, I don't know, I have to get back into it again. But I've got it in a MIDI cab at the moment, so I can actually play it on proper hardware, which is awesome. Right, I'm going to have a go now, actually. Okay, and I'll talk to you, old friend, in two weeks' time. Thanks for podcasting with me. See you later, people. Yes, thank you, everybody. Thank you, and goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10 You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at 10 and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories, or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 